And good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome into Hoopsville on this Thursday, February 22nd, 2018, as we get ready for the finish of the regular season. Believe it or not, it has arrived. We are just days away from the end of the season. And uh, if you're not uh, already jazzed up, and hello, Andrew, uh, you should be. Uh, so welcome in as we roll here into the final days of the regular season. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville. You can um, email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. We're on Instagram at D3Hoopsville as well, though we promote the show mainly there. We don't tend to follow questions all that necessarily. It's all screaming at the bottom or rolling at the bottom of your screen as well. You can use that information to contact us. We will keep track of lots of scores going on throughout Division Three today as conference playoffs are hitting their stride. A lot of semifinals taking place today. Uh, ODAC women, I believe, is underway today. Um, but the ASC men have already gotten underway. East Texas Baptist over Mary Harden Baylor, 86-82. Letourneau passed Howard Payne, 100-74. And other games are, are taking place. Both number one Whitman and number four Whitworth will play today. Number 12 York will be in action. Though that game may not be over by the time we get off air. Number 20, Salem State is in action. 22, Nichols is, is just underway. Marietta, number 24, will be playing as well. That's all on the men's side, along with other Pool C considerations or automatic bids as well. Southern Vermont trying to secure an automatic bid. So will Albertus Magnus. They're in action today as well. There's some other games. Concordia, Texas and Texas Dallas will uh, be hitting the floor. Uh, they should have. They might be in-game in action right now, and we'll double-check that score. Baldwin Wallace and John Carroll in a huge OAC battle will be hitting the floor soon. Mary Washington, Christopher Newport, Central and Loris, Wartburg and North Nebraska Wesleyan, Texas Tyler and Sol Ross State later. All big games here today. The other OAC game I think is taking place. I can't seem to find it. Although, yeah, it was Ohio Northern versus Marietta. We did mention that. As for Concordia, Texas and Dallas, Texas-Dallas, they are underway, and Concordia's got the 42-35 lead in that game uh, early in the second half. On the women's side, lots of games there as well. Number two, Wartburg will be taking on Loris. Number eight, St. Thomas taking on St. Mary's. Number 12, Whitewater playing Eau Claire. Number 13, Whitman playing Willamette. Number 14, George Fox will be playing Lewis and Clark, and those games being played at George Fox, who got the tiebreaker. Number 17, Christopher Newport will be playing York. Number 19, Marymount and Mary Washington underway early in that game. Number 21, St. Benedict, will be playing Gustavus Adolphus. And by the way, back to the Christopher Newport game, that is underway as well. We will try and keep an eye on what that game is doing. Uh, number 23, Oshkosh is at Lacrosse, and a little bit of a twist. And Otterbein is at number 24, Northern Ohio Northern. Marietta is also in action today, and they are in the third quarter and just barely leading capital right now, 45-42. Uh, other teams like Randolph-Macon, as we mentioned, the ODAC tournament underway, they lead Bridgewater at halftime. Um, New England, University of New England playing Western New England, that game is just tipping off. St. Joseph's of Maine taking on Albertus Magnus, that's just tipping off. Uh, Shenandoah and Emory and Henry played earlier. Ian H got the big win by 26 there. Texas Tile and Concordia, Texas and women's basketball played earlier, and Concordia won that game. And Washington Lee over Guilford, 79-77, an earlier ODAC play. Mary Harden Baylor over Louisiana College, 81-71. Other games we'll keep an eye on as well include Virginia Wesleyan and Lynchburg. 
all playing today. Redlands and Claremont Mud Scripps will play later, along with Cal Lou and Chapman, but obviously we'll be off air by that point. Back to the Christopher Newport game. They uh, lead York by 20 um, late in the third quarter. So that's what's going on. We're going to keep an eye on all of it as it goes along. Hello, Dean Corwin. Thank you for watching the show, sir. Lots to talk about here today, and we hope you'll take the time. Andrew says, how about those Hope women? Will they host? Uh, I don't know. Uh, there's a question about their ranking. They're third in the rankings right now. Uh, that is not an ideal spot to be if you want to host. That said, there's some question about just how tight things are in the Great Lakes region. If all things held firm, no, I don't think Hope Women would be hosting. Now, I went to try and help someone with this argument earlier as to why Hope was behind, and it turns out my uh, data may have been old. <laughs> I'm not sure how the data sheets I pulled down ended up being um, last week's sheets. Uh, I'm going in to double-check that as we speak, actually, so I can give a better answer here. But Hope sitting third, no, they won't host um, if that's how they hold. And yeah, my data's old, so I got to go find the new data. And if you bear with me, I will call that up. Um, boom and boom. And then we'll try and find the uh, Great Lakes data sheet here real quick. That one's updated, so there we go. So DePaul at a 24 and 1 with a 2 and 1 and a 531, and Hope is at a 23 and 1, 2 and 1, and a 540, which basically makes them equal. So Hope sitting in third in the regional rankings. If they stay, or sorry, they're starting second. You know what, Andrew? I apologize. I had them backwards. Hope sitting second. So yeah, Hope would host if all things were made the same. Yeah, as long as Thomas Moore doesn't move ahead of him, and as long as Trine doesn't move ahead of him. I don't think they would at this point in time unless Hope loses. As Hope loses, it opens the door for Thomas Moore to move ahead of him, trying to move ahead of him, and possibly Rose Holman. And in that case, Hope would not host. So Hope needs to win, I think, the AQ for them to host. Um, if they don't win the AQ, um, then I don't think they host. So Hope's in the tournament. They don't have to worry about that. But if they want to host the opening weekend, um, they're going to have to win the, uh, the AQ, in my opinion. Sorry about the confusion there. I had him third. And it's DePaul, Hope, Thomas Moore, Trine, Rose, Holman, the top five, then Ohio Northern there. If you've got other questions, you can do it, as Andrew did, on our YouTube uh, window. You can do it on the Facebook Live window if you want. I see Dane McKee has joined the program. Hello, sir, and thank you for taking the time. You can also tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. We've got it up here on our screen and hopefully keeping an eye on that. We also have uh, email, and i got a question that says, from Basketball Jones, it says, I saw Augustana versus Oshkosh game. Wondering how the committee put Augie ahead of the Titans. Well, I'll start with the fact that just because what you saw doesn't mean a thing. Um, it comes down to primary criteria, and it doesn't come down to eye test. Primary criteria is going to drive the ship on that. Looking at uh, those rankings, and bear with me here a second. Um, Augustana is 19-5. and five, Oshkosh is 19-6. and six. So already Augustana has got a slight advantage there. According to the data, Augustana's got a 566 SOS with a 4-3 and three results versus regionally ranked opponents, while Wisconsin Oshkosh has a 548, also a 4-3. and three. So right away, Augustana has got a better um, results versus regionally ranked opponents. That would be the first answer to that. Um, there's also going to be some comparable games that they can certainly use. Head-to-head. Um, -head, uh, yes, Augustana lost that, but they've got other ones in their favor. Um, 
So that would be how that would work out. Augustana, remember, beat Wash U. Wash U is the number one ranked team in the region. That is going to weigh more than what Oshkosh has done against regionally ranked opponents as well. Um, uh, Stevens, or, um, uh, Augustana also, let's see. Uh, I'm going to the central region. I apologize. Um, Augustana also has results over, well, Stevens Point, who's fifth ranked. So does Oshkosh. Oshkosh split. That means a loss. Augustana has a win, so that's going to favor a little bit in Augustana's side. Uh, Augustana has split with Illinois Wesleyan, though I don't know if Augustana has played Illinois Wesleyan. I mean, uh, Oshkosh has played Illinois Wesleyan. I'm quickly checking. I don't see a game, so that's not relevant. Um, so, yeah, uh, right now I think it's probably split and had a little bit of hairs, but I've got Augustana uh, ahead of Oshkosh in that one, despite the head-to-head win by Oshkosh, because, again, they uh, Augustana's got a win over Wash U. they got a stronger SOS. Uh, they have one less loss, um, and that Wash U game is certainly prevalent and is the, sp- is the win over Stevens Point where Oshkosh split with them. So that's where I have them uh, in that case uh, over um, Oshkosh if that makes any sense. And again, eye test, not a factor, not a part of the primary criteria whatsoever. Um, of course, we uh, have uh, games already underway. TCN or uh, NJCU and TCNJ have put themselves in a bit of, in a bit of hurt as it were um, taking losses in the top 25 so far quiet, but a lot of teams haven't really played a lot. The top five, in fact, hasn't played any uh, Illinois Wesleyan lost to North central at the end of the regular season. They have a game now against North central tomorrow in the CCIW tournament. Of course, that game will be played at Augustana because Illinois Wesleyan couldn't tie up the number one seed because of that loss to North Central. If they had won that game or Augustana had lost, they would be going to the Titans, but instead they're heading out to Rock Island. They'll play North Central again, who they just lost to by nine. That's the only loss in the top 25 so far, uh, and including receiving votes. On the women's side, nobody has lost so far, so nothing of, of substance there. But that's because a lot of the games are starting to now take place, and this is where we'll start taking a lot of those losses um, along the way. So that's what we got. Let's talk about guests tonight, and we'll get back to your questions if you have any. I have a feeling you may. And you're welcome. Uh, Jay Cozen says, I know the whip around was a maybe as of last Sunday. Any updates as of tonight? I love the show last year. Uh, I know there's been talk about working it out. I might have a, a challenge on my side of things. Um, but I know the guys have been talking. I have not been able to participate in those conversations. I've been a little bit too busy today. Plan to talk about it tomorrow. It all, <laughs> how it all works is going to depend on uh, who's hosting, to be honest with you. Not going to go into all the details, but we hope to put something together, I believe. I believe that's the plan. Um, but it just may be a little bit different than last year, depending on some scenarios. It, it's, I think it's going to happen. It's either going to feature in here like we did last year, or it's going to feature some other assistance from our D3 Sports kind of gang uh, to be determined. Uh, so stick with us. I will know a definite answer on whether we're doing the whip around on Sunday. I'll have a more definite answer as to who, what, where, and when uh, as of Monday. That will be kind of how that works out. All right, so guests tonight, we're going to talk to Lehman men's basketball coach Steve Schulman coming up. They play for the CUNYAC title on Friday night against Staten Island. We'll talk to Mass Dartmouth's women's basketball coach, Matt uh, Ducharme, about his co-sairs and what they need to do in the Little East to get into the NCAA tournament, which basically means win the AQ, but we'll talk to him about that. Piedmont, Piedmont women's basketball coach Jamie Purdy will join us on the show. USA South, a fascinating one, especially with the likes of Berea in their first eligible season in the mix. We'll talk to her about the fact they're at Greensboro, despite uh, a pretty solid season for Piedmont this year. 
Um, Augustana men's basketball coach Greg Giovanni will join us on the show to talk about that CCIW uh, quad, as it were, starting tomorrow on Friday in Rock Island and plus more like injuries that the uh, Vikings have had to deal with. In the WBCA center court, we'll head to Ohio Northern. Michelle Durand will join us. They are um, uh, playing tonight, so we talked to her earlier today. We'll talk to her certainly about the team and the OAC race, but most importantly, she's been chosen to do a presentation in front of any coach who wants it at the WBCA convention coming up at the Division One Final Four. We'll talk to her about a little bit about that and practices and how she runs them and what and how she kind of massages them throughout the season. Then we'll get a NESCAC update. NESCAC heading into the semifinals and championships all at Amherst for men and women. Howard Herman joins us from the Berkshire Eagles. He's been covering the NESCAC for 20 years. He'll talk to us about what he thinks uh, of the NESCAC tournament and some of the teams in that tournament and also what else he's watching in New England. So that's still ahead here on the show. Again, if you have questions, um, Basketball Jones says thanks for the rational answer. You're welcome. We try our best to give rational answers here. Um, if you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at facebook.com. Slash Hoopsville. Um, fascinating in the Mid-Atlantic region, by the way, if you're trying to keep track of what's going on there. It is absolutely crazy, crazy. Uh, you could you could literally do a pick em in the way you rank teams on the men's side. Uh, Ryan and I hinted at this Sunday. And by the way, a heads up on Sunday, we'll be doing the show a little bit early, I think. We haven't determined yet. We may start as early as five. Um, stay with us on Twitter to find out what we're doing. Um, Ryan and I both agreed we, we may miss a few teams this year. The committee seem the committees seem to be using all the data a little bit more than we're used to, and I don't mean that that they don't always use all the data. They do, but I think sometimes they're willing to make a decision maybe where we thought it might be a split. Um, maybe they lean on that results versus regionally ranked a little bit more than we do um, or did in the past. Maybe they're not leaning on the SOS as much as we thought they would, i.e., Oshkosh may not have as strong an argument because of losses, or they have a stronger argument because of results versus regionally ranked opponents. This year it's going to be a little bit different. I wouldn't be surprised if we miss a few extra teams this year. We've been pretty good the last few years selecting. No more than two misses, which out of uh, – Considering the data is pretty solid, I think last year we missed one on each side. Um, I don't see us being that successful this year. Just fair warning. That way, if we do well, we can pat ourselves on the back, right? So lots to discuss and lots to get to here tonight. And again, we'll keep track of the scores throughout the division um, and see what's going on with that and see if there's already teams who may be on the ropes uh, for at-large at large uh, options as well. Certainly, um, Christopher Newport women are not. They're up by 23 on York right now with less than eight minutes to play in that game. So that game is all but wrapped up. So lots to discuss, lots to get to. We'll answer your questions. And a reminder, Sunday we'll be on the air, we're to, to be determined, but 5 or 6 o'clock Eastern time for a number of hours. We will eventually, we will talk to a number of coaches and teams who are in the tournament. We will also talk to Kerry uh, Harvey Cutter at Salem about what they're doing to prepare for the championships for probably the last time. Um, we'll also start picking whether, and, and we're, I'm trying to debate whether we'll do women first and then men. It's up in the air, but we'll figure it out. We'll get our pick'em crew here and do our due diligence to get that work done in hopes of selecting 
all 20 plus at large bids. And then they go behind the scenes and bracket. We will not bracket on the show. We've done that in the past. We don't have that kind of time. Then on Monday, the um, selection shows will take place on NCAA.com. Of course, we will have them also at D3Hoops.com. Uh, yours truly will be part of those programs. I know what time we're taping. I know the women's is at 2.30. I think that means the men's will be at 12.30, but I have not gotten confirmation of that as of yet. So there you go. Lots to discuss here. Uh, looks like we accidentally tweeted out on the wrong accounts today. How did we do that? Very interesting. Huh. I'm not sure sometimes how our system uh, tweets out what we are doing on shows and whatnot. Looks like we uh, double or triple tweeted for s somehow. That's fascinating. Anyway, follow us on Twitter at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com and join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Going to take a break. When we come back, Steve Schulman from Lehman joins us to talk about his Lightning Squad and the CUNYAC race. You'll listen to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoopsville after this. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. As we are rolling along on this Thursday, February 22nd, just a few days left in the regular season. In three days, National Committee, RACs and National Committees meet 
finish up their regional rankings, finish up the details, and then start moving in to deciding who's in the tournament and then bracketing. By Monday, we find out who's dancing. We know most of them, obviously, from AQs. We find out the brackets, and we march our way to Rochester for women and Salem for men. If you got questions for us or our guests, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Lots of you are tweeting or interacting with us. We appreciate it. We'll answer your questions as best we can. Next up, the CUNYAC Coach of the Year, Steve Schulman. Uh, team is getting ready for its uh, battle with Staten Island in the CUNYAC Championship, which will take place on Friday evening. Basically, we know Lehman, despite the fact that they are regionally ranked, are going to have to win to get in. Same with Staten Island. So we talked to Coach Schulman earlier today about what he sees as the challenges ahead for his team and what he expects them to do in the conference championship, especially with such a senior-laden squad. We, again, talked to him earlier today about Lehman. Now join us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline, the head coach of Lehman. It is Steve Schulman. Coach, thanks for taking the time. Uh, yeah, wonderful to be here. Uh, 22 and four in the season. Uh, you guys ran through the conference at 15 and one, something like a 14 game winning streak as we head into the, the next round of the, of the, uh, CUNYAC tournament. You gotta be pretty pleased with how this season has evolved. Yeah, I think I'm more than pleased. Um, I don't think in the beginning of the year, uh, I think we knew we were going to be a real good team, but I didn't think it was going to be this special in terms of how many wins we got. Mm -hmm. Uh, but the guys have uh, bought into playing together and we have a lot of talent. It's a good combination. Yeah, at the beginning of the season, you guys started 2-2 two and two with a loss to Westfield State and Farmingdale State in overtime. And then in, uh, right at that New Year break, you kind of had another stumble, losing 2-3 of three, um, against SUNY IT in, in York and New York, but a win over Staten Island over, in overtime sandwiched in there. So just a couple of blips on the radar, and it seems like they're in the obvious spots, beginning of a season when some teams struggle, and then at that, at that turnaround point in the season where you've already been on a long break. Exactly. Um, you know, even the, the Staten Island game, the first one, uh, we were coming off the New Year's break and, and both teams were a little sluggish. And uh, we won that game in overtime. And then, bang, two days later, we had to go at York. Uh, we, we didn't have our rhythm at all. And um, uh, I think that loss also geared us up. Made us, they, uh, York did a few things that we had trouble dealing with, and we were able to work on those. And uh, we've been rolling ever since. That's the thing is you're rolling ever since. Now you got Staten Island coming up again here in the tournament, uh, coming up uh, on Friday night. When you look back, the Staten Island games have both been close. Both teams seem to be playing pretty well this season, though you guys took, as we said, control of the conference, and they ended up three games back. What do you expect from Friday night's game, and, and what do you think you're going to have to do to get past the Dolphins? Uh, I expect nothing but the same. I think it's going to be a great game between two really uh... – hardworking, defensive-oriented teams. Um, you know, I think it's going to be coming down to the last five minutes of the game, just like uh, in our first two showdowns. I don't think, you know, I don't think anyone really in the second half ever had a lead more than maybe five points the entire game. Uh, Coach Tibbs in his first year has just done an unbelievable job. And, uh, you know, I think it's going to be a great game. I think in terms of our adjustments, uh, you know, I just think we, we've got to make sure we're locked. We should be 100% focused. I think both times we played them, um, first time we were coming off a break and we were a little flat. Uh, the second time we had just clinched uh, first place the game before, and I think we let up the first couple minutes of that game that we played them too. So uh, it's going to be a great one. 
You guys sitting eighth in the regional rankings, uh, you certainly are one who understands what that means. And, and as usual for the CUNYAC, it's probably a win-and-get-in type scenario. Does that put even more pressure on tonight's game and eventually the championship uh, to try and win that championship, I should say, um, to, to make sure you get in the tournament that way? Because otherwise, you're probably not going to make it. Yeah, I don't think it puts any more pressure on us because I think in the world of our conference, we've now gotten used to that. Yeah. Um, I don't think, uh, you know, it, it, we, we, ne we never expected from day one uh, that we would get an at-large bid. Um, I've been, I was on the national committee for four years. Mm -hmm. I, I know how the math works. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of all the math. Uh, I, you know, I know there's really no other way to do it. Um, but I, I don't think it adds any pressure. I, I've got uh, 10 seniors on this team who've wanted to get to this game, and uh, they're here, and they're, they're going to play well t tomorrow night. And to clarify, you're playing in the championship game on Friday night against uh, Staten Island. This championship game has seen a lot of uh, variations. It's been a fun game to see on a Friday night in Division Three. Well, how do you expect the home crowd to, to treat you guys? Well, it's going to you know it's at a neutral site, right. CCNY. Uh, it's going to be packed. I think uh, I know in terms of Lehman, it's been a while since we've been in the final. Mm -hmm. uh, so our fan base is is excited and and they're going to be out there in force. And uh, we probably, you know we led our conference in attendance this year. We got a great atmosphere. At, uh, just ask Coach Barron at Glendon Mercy. He'll tell you what the atmosphere is like <laughs> at our place. Yeah. Um, so they're gonna they're gonna be there in force. And uh, but Staten Island, they they'll travel well. Uh, CUNY is very interesting in terms of we're all so close together. Right. That um, you know both sides both both you know Staten Island will have their fan base. We'll have hours, and it should be rocking. Yeah, you mentioned on Coach Barron, and you guys did have that CUNYAC CSAC uh, battle this season, and you guys knocked off Gwen and Mercy, kind of maybe in some way put them in a little bit of a tailspin here to close the season. How big a game is that for you guys in the sense of outside conference late in the season? And I also have the sense, since you served on the committee, it also was a little bit of a of an effort to try and, and bolster numbers. Yeah, no, look, we, you know, we, you know, we we try, you know, it, uh, our the bottom of our conference was a little down this year, and I, and I think that's what hurt us with the numbers. We think we're, we're a really good team. I mean, Southern Vermont's twenty and five, yeah, and uh, we defeated them. Um, you know, we we think we have a, a real good team. So I, that was really the makeup of Coach Barron and Coach Alisi at Baruch. Uh, we thought it would be good for both conferences to to play a game late, just so uh, the committee could get an idea of where. The, teams in each of our league stands uh, and i think it worked well um you know hunter college who finished fourth in our conference defeated newman yeah um so i think it, i think it helped us yeah no absolutely i, I think it's a pretty in, smart idea especially if you're playing the top seeds you're getting probably some regional ranked uh data in there as well um which helps by the way your team loaded with seniors Maybe that leads to the obvious question i'm assuming the seniors is why we're sitting in this position here after a 14 game winning streak and on top of the conference and looking pretty strong of late yeah no doubt um it's you know you got to have seniors in division three to win i think um you don't need 10 of them but you need a <laughs> bunch of key ones you need a bunch of key ones that are are gonna um uh buy into being a team first oriented who have kind of paid that price um uh and you know i think that's that is the key it, this year, for me, uh, probably more than any year in my in my 18 years, I haven't had to get these guys ready at all. I mean, it doesn't matter who we play. 
they were all counting down on, you know, knowing, well, I got 10 games left. I've got nine games left. So they're ready. It doesn't matter if we play Gwen and Mercy or if we play CCNY. The focus has been there all year. And no surprise, you're being led in the stats column by the seniors. It is all seniors in the top five, six. Luis Hernandez leading the way at 19.1 points a game. He has three, almost four assists a game. Uh, on top of that, along with six rebounds, Andrew Ute, uh, 16 and a half, nine, almost 17 points a game, six rebounds a game, nearly three assists a game. Milo Mitchell, 14 points a game, four rebounds a game, four assists a game. John Marcial, 11 and a half points a game, five and a half rebounds, two assists a game. All of them seniors and all of them with really rounded numbers, Coach. You're, you're talking double figures in points, talking significant amounts of rebounds, and all of them dish out the ball at significant numbers as well. Yeah, well, we, we, this group has taken a lot of pride in uh, passing the ball. I think it's probably our biggest strength. You know, we joke around at practice every day. We say the pass is king. And, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of teams, uh, we, they've watched the, the Golden State Warriors. They've seen that success on TV. And uh, it's easier for them to buy into it. And it's been our strength all year. Uh, out of those four guys you named, all of them had at least one game where they scored 25 points. So. Wow. To have four guys on the floor who can, on a certain day, score uh, makes it very difficult for the opponents. And, of course, Bennett, Lang, and Brenz, also seniors, also contributing, all next in, in the line of the stat sheet, at least for points per game. Um, this team feels, at least what I've a little bit I've seen, and I'll hopefully catch some more tomorrow night, but a little bit I've seen and, and, and what I've seen in the stat sheet and all that, should you make the NCAA tournament, this could be a pretty dangerous team to match up with. It feels like, from my point of view, what do you think of your chances? I know it all comes down to matchups, but you know this team looks like a matchup problem. You know, we're just focused on tomorrow night. That's our number <laughs> one thing. Um, we got to beat CSI. They're the defending champions. They're the, you know, they're perennial CUNY. If they're not winning the championship, they're losing in the championship. <laughs> Uh, so that's where we're at. But, yeah, no, we, you know, I think um, that Southern Vermont game and also that Gwen and Mercy game, yeah. you know, gave our guys the confidence they, that they feel they can play with anybody in Division Three. So, yeah, I agree. If we could get into the tournament, um, you know, our, our expectation would be to try to win a couple of games. And you uh, are a, a one I've seen a lot in Salem, Virginia. Obviously, four years on the committee gets you to the to Salem, Virginia pretty often. Uh, but I think I've even seen you outside of committee trips. Um, you looking to go back one more time to to celebrate Salem this year? I, I don't know if I'm gonna. You know, uh, uh, I, I I might be there. You know, I I go with. Uh, you know, I used to go a lot with Bob Slasher, who I yeah. wait when I first started coaching at Elizabethtown College. Uh, so I think you know they're honoring Bob this year at, in San Antonio. Yes. So I think I should be going there uh, instead, uh, unless my team's playing. But uh, <laughs> you know, as good as we are, I don't think we're that good. So, um, but I might be there. I haven't decided yet. Hey, a realistic coach. I've never heard one actually tell me that you know that be that honest. But that said, you never know how the bracket falls into place, and it, it may may go your way. Um, Coach, I appreciate you taking the time to talk about the squad. I've been wanting to get you on for a while, and 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 I can't figure out the timing to save my life. Earlier this season, I couldn't even figure out the timing behind the scenes. But I really appreciate you taking time to join us and talk about the team right before your championship game on Friday. Look forward to seeing that game uh, as I watch it online. And and then, as always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts that we can uh, that you want to share with those who may be tuning in? No, I just want to thank you guys. Uh, you know, at D three hoops and Hoopsville all the time because. Uh, it's just great to have Division Three basketball, you know, get the look that you guys give it. 
And, uh, you know, go Lehman Lightning for tomorrow. That's it. Perfect. Thanks, Coach. Appreciate all your time. He is uh, Steve Schulman, head coach of Lehman. They are 22-4 and four overall and taking on Staten Island in the CUNYAC Championship coming up on Friday night. Joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. And thanks, for Coach, for joining me earlier today to talk about his program. I, I said it. He didn't take the bait necessarily, but there's something about Lehman, and I'm going to look forward to seeing maybe a little bit more of it tomorrow. It's something about them as a matchup I think can be a challenge in the NCAA tournament, depending on the bracket and how things work. Keep Lehman in the back of your minds. We may be talking about them second weekend, depending on some matchups. Um, maybe I'm off there, but something about their matchup, something about what they bring to the table makes me wonder if they got something special built up in them this season. We'll see. Going to take a break. When we come back, we'll jump into the Northeast, talk women's basketball, talk mass Dartmouth women's basketball in the Little East. What exactly can they do in the Little East Conference Championship, and can they secure that NCAA bid and maybe stir some or uh, cause some waves in the NCAA tournament as well. You listen to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com. From the WBCA and ABC Studios, more Hoops Hope after this. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game, where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment, the game-winning shot that gets you to the dance, a monster dunk or no-look pass, and cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success and prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, on this Thursday as we keep continue <clears throat> to watch um, scores from around the country uh, on this uh, big day, obviously, 
<clears throat> excuse me, in um, in conference tournaments. We'll keep an eye on scores. Uh, it looks like Texas Dallas is going to get past Concordia, Texas in men's basketball. Five minutes left to go in that game. They got a Dallas is a 16 point lead, and it's all but over. Christopher Newport's going to get past York 93 68 with a couple seconds left in that one. So that one looks to be wrapping up. We'll keep an eye on other scores as they come along and as they relate to some things here tonight. All right, so switching to women's basketball, of course, one of the interesting things uh, in the Northeast is the women's rankings. Got some good teams in there, but there's some other ones that have some that are making waves. Number four is St. Joseph's of Maine. Number five is Roger Williams. Number six is Mass Dartmouth. Seven is Smith. It kind of breaks up the the NESCAC train that starts the top of that. But what's interesting is you know Smith is the first new Mac at seven. It's these other conferences and these other teams that now are starting to show their strength, especially in the Northeast region. One of those teams, Mass Dartmouth. We've always been talking about over the course of the few years about just how good they can and can't or can be, and where they've been positioning themselves over the years. Joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline, it's a head coach of the Corsairs. It's Matt Ducharme. Coach, thanks for taking the time as always. Thanks for having me on, and thanks for all you guys do over there at D3 Hoops. Well, thank you, sir. appreciate the kind words. Um, 23-3 and this season, 14-0 and in the conference. I think at one point, uh, I remember late November, <clears throat> you guys were off to a 3-2 and start, and I kind of scratched my head and went, okay, Maybe they're not going to have the season, you know, that we've gotten kind of used to, you know, 25 and six last year and a couple of 18, 19 win seasons prior to that. Maybe, maybe this is just going to be an off season. And then I looked away and then you guys woke up. Uh, now, granted, Roger Williams and Bowden were two of those opponents that you lost to not shabby teams, but you guys have really had a good season and even took toughs to the wire in early January. Are you guys maybe sneaky good and we just don't realize it? You know, I have uh, much of the team returned from last year, um, and I think it took us a little bit in the beginning to sort of get our, our, our wheels back after, you know, our first NCAA run the year before. And I think maybe we came in thinking people were just going to uh, give us something without earning it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we had to sort of get a little bit humbled first and, mm-hmm. and, and then realize we have to put the work in to get to where we want to go and what our goals are. Um, they're, you know, I, I have a great group great group of uh, players that sort of just have come together so nicely and really look out for each other and, and I'm very proud of where they've come from it from the from that three and two start yeah I mean three and two can unravel a team uh, one of those losses to Roger Williams who's right ahead of you in the regional rankings and mm-hmm. one of those to Bowden who's right ahead of you in the regional rankings uh, another one's to Tufts right ahead of you in the regional ranking it's you're playing <laughs> these teams that are right ahead of you in the sense but also in the conversation and for the most part, you're in every one of these games. We don't have to discuss the Bowden game, but the, no, thanks. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> you were you had a tight battle there with Tufts, um, and you've taken care of business outside that. That's got to breed some confidence. It does. That that uh, that that Bowden game was a little bit of a wake up call to realize. You no, know, <laughs> it reminded us a lot of the Amherst game last at the end of last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. They're really good. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, and then bringing Tufts, you know, the playing Tufts. Uh, tough, which is weird to say. I know. Um, <laughs> that was really a, a call to sort of say, okay, now I, you know, maybe you know we belong where mm-hmm. where we think we we might be able to make it, and you know it was really good to take them down to the wire and, and you know kind of earn your stripes a little bit. Yeah, it's certainly perfect timing as you kind of roll right back into conference tournament, uh, conference play, I should say. And for the most part, what's interesting about the Little East is is 
you've had Mass Boston, who's been in the conversation. They're having a heck of a season, but you you beaten them at least once. Of it was pretty handily. Um, I'm double checking the other score. Yeah, 15 points back on February 7th, and you beat them by 30 on February 17th. It's go games like that that make me think. Okay, so Southern Maine's kind of rejuvenated. Mass Boston seems to be having a good season, but maybe Dartmouth is just head and shoulders better than everybody else. Is 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 that a fair assessment, or, or are we missing something about this LEC? <laughs> That's a, a very tough question. The LEC is always a, a tough a tough conference to be in. Um, there's always you got your perennials. You know, your Southern Maine was so strong for so long, yeah. and Eastern Connecticut and Western Connecticut even at that point. So it's been like because this year, just I think we're playing really well. Um, we have a, a, a wide range of different skill sets that are can be difficult to uh, game plan for, but, you know, everybody has to play well every night. You, you can't take any day off against our, in our conference or out of our conference in D3 at this point in the Northeast. Um, I mean, I just think we're playing really well right now, and we got, you know, two big games, hopefully two big games over the weekend. Take, we got tomorrow is a big game for us. So, um, you know, any given day, anything can happen, and, you know, we're, we're going to play our, our best tomorrow and hope to come out on top. Outside of the losses, you haven't had a lot of close games. Maybe a half a dozen or so in games that have been about double or less than double digits. You've really controlled your opponents this season. Um, how hard is it to? I don't want to say stay motivated because that's a horrible way of saying it. But how is it hard? Is it to keep the players focused and understanding that there's a challenge ahead, despite what the scores and maybe the games result in in the end? It's critical. I mean, it, it's actually. It's going to sound uh, weird too. It's not that hard with this group. They're um, we're pretty have some really good leadership on this team, um, and we have our own goals within ourselves that we want to accomplish in each game. Um, so those really become, even if we're, we're we're scoring and having those margins of victory at times, it's because they're executing the way they're supposed to execute. Um, so it, it, we always have that competition within ourselves as well, um, and they they've been very the team's been so good about not not having those nights where they, you know, I mean, I can't say that. We had some nights where we didn't play as well as I would like, obviously, mm -hmm. but the fact of the matter is they, they really hold each other accountable and themselves accountable to to stay stay alert, and they, they know that that NCAA tournament last year really showed us what is, the competition is out everywhere in this in this country and how, how amazing it really is. So they, they do a good job of keeping themselves up. Um, you know, hopefully I have something to do with some of that, but I think it's really, it's really player driven. It's really player led, which I think is always the best way. I mean, you guys had a heck of a season last year. You beat LaRoche in the first round. You upset Montclair at their place in the second round, beat New Pulse in the third at Amherst. And then you played Amherst in the elite eight with a chance to go to the final four. And yeah, Amherst kind of maybe, um, <laughs> revealed the, the true secret of those top teams, uh, holding you oh to 33 God. and beating you by 40. Was that is that been a topic of conversation? You you seem like it maybe it has or at least it's in the back of everybody's mind still. It was something we said at halftime. Like I remember my point guard who was a senior this year saying, "Guys, we need to take this. Yeah, it it, it stinks right now that we're getting beat this bad, but we need to. This is what it takes to be at that next level you, mm -hmm. we want to be at. So I think they took that as a learning experience and uh, have have really wrapped that into this year. That being said we really have to let last year go and realize this is a season on its own. So um, we take the experience and, and get humbled by a 40-point loss to the eventual <laughs> national champions. But, you know, we move on, and hopefully it helps us 
moving forward. Well, at least they're the eventual national champs, and at least you know you weren't the only one. Um, <laughs> they did it to <laughs> That's everybody. For sure. Uh, you're led by Nakira Examon, the junior, uh, nearly 20 points a game, uh, 10 rebounds a game, a double-double. Uh, hands out about two assists a game, gets about a steal a game, not too shabby. Alicia uh, Cuddle, the senior, 19 points a game, 8.3 rebounds a game, two assists a game as well. Uh, Leah Doty, the senior as well, 9.3 points a game. Um, and and you got other contributors, including Ashley Brown, Caitlin, uh, Caitlin Milligan, Chelsea uh, Houlihan, all, uh, oh, and, and Jess uh, Korzik, all six points plus, though Korzik's only played in 16 games. You got a lot of options there, but you've got two there at the top at nearly 20 <laughs> points a game each. That certainly are going to make people think twice uh, about how they defend you guys. It it's it is a uh, it's an amazing thing to have two really talented posts who complement each other so well and aren't selfish. And they you know they because uh, Leah's having a great year. You know we have that inside presence, so it's really opened up the outside game for us. Um, and it's a new new wrinkle we have this year is we're able to, to shoot a little more outside. And last year we weren't as uh, good shooting outside. Mm-hmm. So that really made everybody collapse on us. And when they did that, it was tough. Um, we've been able to open that up a little bit. Um, I, they're just just all you know special people, and they, they do a nice job. And they they worked so hard in the offseason to get better for this year. Um, Leah is probably the most improved player I've seen over four years from when she was a freshman to now. Um, just her ability to prove every year and become the outside shooter she's become this year. So they're they're um, you know I said senior led and and leadership and I got two amazing post players that are really tough to deal with and Alicia can play a little bit outside too, which is which really gives some teams fits at times and gives sure. me fits sometimes as well. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't do. Okay, great shot, great shot. Uh, <laughs> I know that I've seen that look. Uh, amongst <laughs> coaches, well, yeah, you have that two two inside presence. They're both elder in the sense of junior senior, so they've got experience. Uh, and you've got the guard play. I've asked this of a number of coaches, and I'm curious: is there anything you guys aren't doing well still that that you need to brush up on as you head into the LEC, you know, end of the LEC uh, tournament here, and at the same time, hopefully heading into the NCAA tournament? Yeah, I mean, I, I always want to be better on you know defense. I I want to create havoc more um I, I love pace of play i think we've actually done a great job with our pace this year um and it, i also want to clean up unforced errors because mm. those things drive me crazy uh, i think that we still can do that i play like we like to play fast so sometimes we play too fast mm. and that's the and i was telling the difference between playing fast and play playing hectic or chaotic is is really what gets us in trouble so cleaning up the turnovers is is a point of emphasis and and really playing Team defense is is a huge point of emphasis, as well as improving as we move forward. Um, you've got uh, Eastern Connecticut ahead of you for the uh, semis, I believe. You beat them by 16 uh, earlier this month, and you also played them earlier this year in January and beat them by eight. Um, do you, looking at where you are regionally ranked, looking at your scenario, I know you want to go win. I'm certainly know that that's the goal. Go win the AQ, go wrap this up. We're all done. But do you, are you confident that you can absorb a loss here if it doesn't go your way? Uh, no, I'm, I'm really not with the way the rankings are, are, are eking out. So a lot of things can happen over this next couple of yeah. days to, you know, keep us on the outside, you know, and that would be, you know, a travesty for us if we don't go out and complete our goal of getting the AQ. Cause that is our goal. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't want, like, and I, I think I said this, I don't want to leave it up 
to other people to choose our fate because I think it's yeah. very important that we take that on ourselves and, and hopefully go out and, and prove that, you know, we deserve that. Right. And that's up to us. Does that become a topic in the locker room then? Uh, the, the number one goal for us from the start of this year, um, I, I, as long as I've been head coach, is to win that LEC and it's eluded us. Yeah. Um, so that is our goal. Um, and now it's it's within reach, so we got to finish finish that out. And nobody's going to let us do that. I can tell you, East Con, Eastern Connecticut's coming in tomorrow to to beat us and prove that they're they're worthy of an AQ. So, um, you know, it's our job to go out there, play like we're capable, um, and not let the moment be too big for us. You know, it's a different. You guys, Roger Williams, um, we mentioned earlier on, and others are in the middle of the regional rankings this season. St. Joseph's of Maine, where you three and others tended to be lower down in the conversation. Yes, Amherst, Bowden, Tufts are in the top three, and, and Nescac seems to be. You know, they, they've proven that. But you guys are further up now in the conversation. You're further up in the regional rankings. That can mean a lot of things for the NCAA tournament. It could mean you could avoid those three maybe a little bit longer. It could mean you get a chance to host, whatever the case may be. How much of a difference is that in your office now than it was a year or two ago where that wasn't part of the equation? Uh, that, great question, as they say. Um, <laughs> I, it's a conversation, and probably my uh, my athletic director probably has has that conversation more than I do because I don't know. I'm just trying to, you know, we're trying to do something here that you know will put this program on on the map, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, hopefully this year we can make that happen. I don't, I don't know. Um, I know that's not the answer you probably want right. to hear. It's it's I don't we don't want to talk about things too much. I'm really ho- honing them on, and you know, I'm a Patriots fan, so. It's I'm all sorry. about the next game, and we're on. To- <laughs> well done, well done. You're welcome. <laughs> it's always on to that next game, you know. The we got to win the next one to have any 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 rights or privileges. Yeah, no, I get that. Just curious, like I said, you guys are in the mix amongst others, and it's it's neat to see that the Northeast. It does feel good. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure it's nice to say, "Hey, we're fifth versus saying, "Geez, we're ninth. Oh, this, you know, I get it. Uh, <laughs> This is obviously a special group, but it looks like you guys have also positioned yourself to be playing. This is not a couple-year run here. It feels like you guys have really changed the culture and are moving forward with the program for the foreseeable future. I, you know, it's it's something that it, it's big on my my uh, to-do list is always to recruit. You know, that next you know class that's going to come in and continue the culture that is built by this senior class and this junior class that really changed the pro- the program. Um, and it's big on. Character people. I, I love talent, of course, but it, talent has to come with character, in my opinion, to be successful. Um, and that's something you know that I, I, my assistants are on board with. The players, my players, are my best recruiters, um, and they, you know, that's it's huge for me to have character people create culture. Well, it's it's noticeable. Great season so far, long winning streak, and the only three losses. I mean, honestly, are ones that you kind of just you tip your hat to. Uh, in a sense of the schedule. I mean, you beat Williams. We haven't even talked about that. Williams having a, a 500 season, but they're still Williams. Um, and, and you're in top of the conference with a resurgent uh, Southern Maine and some others. So congratulations on a tremendous season so far. Good luck in the conference, uh, the rest of the conference tournament. And we hopefully will be talking about the Corsairs on Monday. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Uh, well, you know, I... 
hope uh, we have some new fans out there uh, and realize that there's something hopefully special going on at UMass Dartmouth, and hopefully we can uh, continue this on into the into the tournament and, and years to come. I appreciate the time, Dave. It's, it's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you for taking the time. Good luck, like we said, and we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Thanks, awesome. Dave. Awesome. Matt Desharm joining us from Mass Dartmouth, the women's squad. Again, uh, they are 23-3, finished the, the conference schedule at 14-0, beat Rhode Island College in the quarters handily, 78-49. We'll take on Eastern Connecticut in the semis coming up on Friday. Um, oh, I forgot to ask. I think the championship turns around on Saturday, but I, I don't remember. I know there's more more conferences have Sunday championships. I'm not even going to go into that because that's a frustration of mine. I think it is a disservice for those conferences because I think it hurts at large chances if there's any curveballs because um, committees are working on Sundays. Me personally, let's get as many Sunday championships as we can. But in the meantime, um, we have a few more this year just to add to the mix. Anyway, congratulations to Mass Dartmouth for their success. Um, if Matt, if you're holding on, I, I'm going to stick with our segment here for a few more minutes. You can stick there, and I'll chat with you in a bit when we get to break. In the meantime, if you've got more questions for us, you can tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Uh, still ahead, Piedmont women's basketball coach Jamie Purdy will join us. Augustana men's basketball coach Greg Giovanni will join us. Then we'll go to the WBCA center court with Ohio Northern's Michelle Durand. Yes, they're playing currently. We talked to her earlier today. We'll talk about the NESCAC. We'll head back to the Northeast, talk about the NESCAC tournaments with Howard Herman from the Berkshire Eagle coming up. And, of course, answering your questions on this a uh, little bit longer than usual show here tonight. Um, again, we're keeping track of scores from around uh, Division Three tonight. And what is going on in those, again, losses even tonight will have impacts on Pool C. By the way, you, uh, Dallas won their game 81-65 over Concordia, Texas in men's basketball. So they move on in the ASC tournament. Um, checking to see if we got any other surprises so far. Uh, Roger Williams is up on Nichols in men's basketball, 47-29 at halftime. Uh, so that is a game we're going to have to keep an eye on. Number 22, Nichols. Uh, in a little bit of trouble there. Uh, Nichols regionally ranked wise. Um, no. So Nichols needs to win that to get in. They can't be playing any any games here. Uh, we'll keep an eye on what is going on there with the Bison. Uh, Albertus Magnus is up by eight starting the second half on LaSalle. They need to win to get in as well. And obviously, there's more than just going that going on. Starting the second half, low-scoring affair here. Southern Vermont up on Leslie, 28-22. Southern Vermont, another team that needs to win to get in uh, the whole weekend. Uh, John Carroll is taking it to Baldwin-Wallace. It's 6.03 left in the first. It's 36-18. Uh, that's kind of a surprising score. Remember, we had um, um, Brendan Gulick on, and we talked about how the OAC may be topsy-turvy, and then it went chalk. In the first round, it's amazing how that can happen. On the women's side of things, um, we mentioned Christopher Newport got past York easily. They move on to the CAC championship game, most likely to take on Marymount. But that game, 526 left to go in the third, another low-scoring affair. Marymount leads Mary Washington 31-15. Ohio Northern, who we talked about their coach coming on later in the show, leads Otterbein 22-19. We'll keep an eye on that game as well. As you'll hear later, Coach uh, Durand worried about Otterbein. St. Joseph's of Maine, who we mentioned earlier, is in a battle with uh, Albertus Magnus. St. Joseph's of Maine finds themselves down 36-34, start of the third quarter. 
keep an eye on that game as well. Going to take another break. When we come back, we will switch into, uh, no, we won't. We'll switch to the South and talk to Piedmont women's basketball coach Jamie Purdy. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoops Hill after this. I'm a Division Three student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. I'm a Division Three student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. I used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Division Three allows you to give yourself to other things. Having that free time allows me to pursue the things that I want to pursue. Division Three athletics affords students the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport. It allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. I wouldn't change it for the world. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game, where everyone has a shot at their definition of success 
on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. The game-winning shot that gets you to the dance. A monster dunk or no-look pass. And cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success. And prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Hey folks, sorry for the long break here. Uh, having trouble getting our next guest online. We will take another quick break uh, and be back, uh, hopefully, with our guest. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoops will after this. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. Something I discovered in myself is that if I have a goal, then I can accomplish it. It's a well-rounded experience. At a Division III school, you primarily a student athlete, so the school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. I used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. 
And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Uh, if you hope you're enjoying the show, you can tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Talking women's basketball, and one of the races I've been fascinated in has been the USA South. Uh, Greensboro is hosting the tournament, and they finished tied in the conference with Farum with Averett a game behind them on their side of things. In the meantime, Berea, in its first eligible season, finished 12-2 and with Piedmont and, and uh, Maryville of Tennessee 11-3 in conference. What's fascinating is Piedmont 21-5, Greensboro 20-6, Berea 22-3. We've always been used to the USA South being a more than interesting race. It's gotten deeper, it seems. Piedmont, in the meantime, will take on Greensboro on Saturday in the semifinals. They are 2-2 two and two in their last four. What's going on with the Lions? Joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline, it is the head coach of the aforementioned Piedmont Lions. Coach, uh, Jamie Purdy, thanks for joining me. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you taking the time. Um, you know, this is one, Berea now in the mix. USA South continues to get larger um, and, and better. I mean, you got Maryville, you got Greensboro, you've got yourselves and Berea and all these teams. It's really turning into a, a, a bit of a battle now in the conference. Yeah, it's pretty tough. There's 19 teams, I believe, now. Luckily, we're, you know, split in divisions, and so we don't yeah. face each other until the conference tournament. But Fortunately, we're able to play non-conference games against the other division just so we can see some of the top opponents before the tournament. Yeah, absolutely. How much, though, is this conference completely evolving and changing? Um, Keep you on your toes and at the same time also maybe make it a little challenging when you're trying to schedule and do all these other things? Well, it's definitely challenging. I think really just having one, you know, AQ for our conference is, disappointing and discouraging for the women's side, especially just having so many teams and so many talented teams. So we really have to be, you know, thoughtful in how we uh, set up our out-of-conference schedule, thinking about strength of schedule and and that sort of thing out of non-conference opponents. I'm talking to Jamie Purdy here from Piedmont. Team is again uh, 21-5 and five on the season, 11-3 in conference. You've had a pretty good season. Uh, played Washington and Lee early in the season at a Roanoke uh, tournament. Uh, beat them. I'm sorry, lost to them. And then beat Oglethorpe, which I thought was a significant win uh, in the next game. Um, that one down at Mount Berry. Uh, you beat Roanoke, I should say, in the beginning of the tournament. I got this all backwards. Beat Roanoke in the tournament, then lost to Washington and Lee, then beat Oglethorpe. Um and then you didn't take a loss until January. You guys got a nice little bit of a roll there through December and through the holiday break. Uh, your team seems to lose them in fits, though. It's two out of three between Maryville and Berea in early January, then two in a row, Covenant and Brevard. Is it just one of those things that sometimes you just get off and it's hard to get back on get back on the train, as it were? Yes, sir. We, we hit a roadblock, to say the <laughs> least. I think we just... Um, kind of got complacent a little bit and had just a lot of going going on. We've got kids that are doing student teaching and clinicals mm-hmm. and uh, between all that and labs and that sort of thing, just trying to keep focused is challenging for everybody at that point late in the season. It's, it's a long season. So luckily we, you know, we kind of peaked at the right time, I hope. Yeah. Uh, that's the, the ultimate goal, as they say, is uh, to peak at the right time. Um the conference tournament is obviously important. You beat Maryville and Wesleyan in the last two games, and now you got Greensboro ahead of you. Uh, you guys played once, and you beat them handily back uh, at the beginning of December or the end of December. One of those weird conference games on 
um, and December 29th, really technically non-conference. Do you have confidence going in with that, or is it all new that you really can't you know, be that confident in what's going on because it's a different slate at this point in the season? Really, we're not focused on that game. The girls know that we've, we've changed up the team since we saw them last, and we know that they've changed Join us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline, the head coach of Lehman. It is Steve Shulman. Coach, thanks them, for taking so the time. We've definitely watched. Oh, uh, yeah, one thing to be here. Uh, 22 and 4 in the season. Uh, you guys ran through the conference yeah, at 15 and 1, something that. like a 14 game um, winning streak as we head into the, from the next round of the of games. The, uh, can you take tournament from like you pretty and pleased with how this season you has evolved. You mentioned that you know the the Greensboro game yeah, was a while ago. Can you still pleased, fall back um, on the Maryville and Berea games, or are the Covenant and Brevard games more important to consider when talking about what you've learned from losses and what you still need to do to improve? The guys have bought into playing together. Yeah, at the beginning of the season, you guys started 2-2 two and two with a loss to Westfield State and Farmingdale State really in overtime. And then uh, right at that well New Year break, you kind of had another stumble, losing two of three um, against SUNY IT in, in York and New York. But a win over Staten Island in overtime sandwiched in there. So just a couple of blips on the radar. And it seems like they're even in the obvious spot, beginning of a season where some teams sit in struggle. And then at that turnaround point in the season where you've already been on a long break in the latest regional rankings, or, exactly. or is, are they irrelevant uh, to the ultimate the goal? Staten Island game, the first one, I do not uh, look we were at coming it. off the New Year's I, break, I, I and both teams were a little sluggish, and, and uh, we won that, that game in overtime, and the bang, two days later, we could go at York. Uh, we, we didn't have a rhythm at all. So sorry for mentioning that you're fifth. Ah, very good. Well, someone has to keep track of that information. Right. You got three seniors you're rolling the squad, ever since. Now you got Staten Island coming um, up again Carly here in Shields, the tournament. Uh, Dakota uh, Sullins uh, on Friday three. night. Uh, we mentioned when you Carly Shields look back, the Staten Island games have both been close. When you look at both scoring, teams seem to be uh, playing pretty well this season. Though you guys took Sullins as third at 8.4. The They're led by Amari three Price back. At, uh, what do you expect uh, from Friday night's points game? And, and feels like a very well-rounded squad. You've got probably half a dozen or more who's going to average six and a half more points a game for a team that doesn't score a lot but certainly are stingy on defense. Is that a fair way of describing your squad? the last five minutes of the game. In well our first two showdowns, I don't think, you know, I don't think anyone play, really uh, in the second half ever had a lead more than maybe five points the entire game. Coach Tibbs, in his first year, that, has done an unbelievable people. job. Yeah. You know, they don't and, know uh, I think it's going to be a great game, night. I think, in terms so of our job. I think that's one of our strengths. Uh, you know, and I just think when got to make sure you we're look at what you have to do in conference, it's a grind. Again, you're playing technically conference games back on December 29th. We had just um, clinched, you're playing uh, games as late as December seventeenth, and I think we uh, that are conference related. That you don't get that many too, out of so, conference uh, games. It's going to be a great one. You, most of your season probably you guys feels like hey, in the regional rankings. USA South. Uh, you how do you are keep one who fresh? understands what that means? Their minds and as usual for the task at hand. Probably a win and get in type scenario. Does that put even more pressure on tonight's game and eventually the championship to try and win that championship? I should say to make sure you get in the tournament that way because otherwise you're probably not. 
not going to make it? Trying to keep them rested. Yeah, I don't think it puts possible, any but, more pressure on us you know, because I think earlier, in the world of our conference, we've now gotten we used to that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't it's think it's challenging. Uh, the season you know, is really it, long. It, we, we, so we never expected from day one that we would get an at-large bid. I was on the national committee for four years. I know how the math works. I'm not a big fan of all the math. I know there's really no other way to do it. But I don't think it adds any pressure. I've got seniors on this team who wanted to get to this game. They're here and they're going to play well. And to clarify, you're playing in the championship game on Friday night against Staten Island. This championship game has seen a lot of variations. It's been a fun game to see on a Friday night in Division Well, How do you expect the home crowd to treat you guys? Are you better with them out? Without them, or would you rather have them on your staff? Right. I love having them on your staff. I know it's been a while since we've been in the finals. John's a good friend of the show. It's a little bit of a tongue and a little bit of a tease with him in case he's tuning in. Just ask. Barrett, What's the difference in the program? You're, you're a graduate. Yeah. You graduated um, so in 2000. Gonna, this is a program back and, uh, uh, not that long ago, maybe in well. your memories, it's, you know, struggled a little bit despite the success. So What's together, the difference right. between then that, and um, now with know, the program and, the, sides, and both, even the department both, on a whole? Yeah, you mentioned on Coach Barron, and you guys did have that CUNYAC CSAC battle this season, and you guys knocked off one of Mercy kind of. Maybe in some way put them in a little bit of a tailspin here to close the season. How big a game is that for you guys in the sense of outside conference late in the season? And I also have the sense, since you served on the committee, it also was a little bit of a of an effort to try and, and bolster numbers. Um, I think just we, we yeah, do no, some look, of the same know, things you know, that he used to run, we, but we try, the you know, tempo uh, of the our, game the bottom of our conference for, for was a little down this year, and right. I think that's what hurt us with the this numbers. This might be a little bit of we a loaded question. Really I'm not really sure. Team. You I did mean, play NAI. Now you're coaching in Division yeah. three. And, uh, we defeated them. I don't want to say what's um, better you know, because we, they we each have their place for whatever departments or schools are in there. What do you see as the differences? And do you wish you were coaching uh, in NIA, or did you wish you got the D3 experience as a student and, athlete? Uh, and I think it worked well. Or is there no um, difference, maybe? You know, Hunter College, who finished fourth in our conference, I think the biggest difference is in recruiting, Newman, honestly. Yeah. Um, so um, I think it, I think it the, helped us. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think it's a pretty smart idea, especially you know, if you're playing the top seeds. You, you know, can probably some regional ranked uh, data in there as well, to, so um, it's not like which I helps. Say, By the way, hey, your team loaded with seniors. Maybe that leads to the obvious um, question. I'm assuming the seniors is why we're sitting in this position here after a 14-game winning streak on top of the conference and looking pretty strong of late. Yeah, yeah, I no can doubt. see that being a little um, bit different. Yeah, you don't have like an you know, X amount of time frame, and they're, they're choosing win, it for I their think. own um, reasons, you don't need not necessarily them, because you have money. <laughs> you um, but is there a difference in, in style? Are, is there a difference gonna, in, in the um, game itself, or uh, are, are they similar? Team first oriented. I figured as much. I just don't get the chance to ask somebody who's experienced both that question all that often. I think it's similar at all levels. Dealing with different caliber athletes. I haven't had to get this guy ready. Several years ago to watch Division One 
And no surprise. Yeah, they still throw the ball out of bounds. You're right. They still make mental lapses. They're still the same age student athletes. You're right. Jamie, I appreciate talking to you. One last question about the USA On top of that, along with six rebounds, do things need to maybe be evaluated to find a better way for this to work out? Nearly three assists a game. Milo Mitchell, 14 points a game, four rebounds a game, four assists a game. John Marcial, 11.5 points a game, five and a half rebounds, two assists a game. All of them seniors and all of them with really rounded numbers, Coach. You're talking double figures point of view from up here in Baltimore. Talking significant amounts of rebounds. All of them dish out the ball. I understand the premise. I understand why. we got more schools coming in. Yeah, I don't know how much bigger you guys can get physically. Well, appreciate the time. really do. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to and, share with uh, those who may be you know, tuning in? I, I think a lot of teams yes, sir, uh, I just appreciate you having the, us on the and State Warriors, allowing, you know, seen that success on TV. Absolutely. And, uh, Thank you for you taking the, the time. I know you took some time from your team to do this, so I appreciate it. Uh, enjoy the, the rest of the games. regular season here these few days. Good luck in the tournament. Hopefully we're talking about the the Lions on Monday as well. Take care. Jamie Purdy joining us from Piedmont. Again, team is 21-5. and 11-3 in USA South play. They take on Greensboro in the conference tournament coming up on Saturday, championship on Sunday. Um, I honestly can't remember who's on the other side of that. Um, yeah, you know, the USA South is a conversation I think that needs to seriously be had. I, I like the USA South. I think there's a lot of pluses about the USA South, but it has gotten ginormous. She hinted at it. They only have one bid. I think a lot of people look at the MAC and the Commonwealth Freedom scenario and say, well, they get two bids. Why don't we get two? Well, Mac is technically grandfathered into that, not to mention the fact they treat those as two different conferences now. It used to be a lot more crossover. Trust me, that's a whole other conversation. USA South's not going to get that second bid. So now the question becomes, does another conference form out of this? I think we will be hearing in the future. I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know how it will all come about. But I wouldn't be surprised if we get another Southern uh, conference out of a USA split. We'll see. And of course, you've heard me on the Hoopsville Marathon. I'd love to see all the US, the women-only schools in the USA South team up with some others like Hollins and the like and make an all-women's conference, not like the GSAC. I think some are stronger than the GSAC and, and celebrate the all-women's side of things there. I think that would be beneficial for those schools, give them better access to get into the NCAA tournament, but also help the USA South to, uh, shrink a little bit into a more manageable number. But uh, I don't run the show at those places, and I don't determine those things. It's just my idea. going to take another break. When we come back, Augustana men's basketball coach Greg Giovanni joins us to talk about the CCIW, the conference tournament coming through Rock Island yet again, injuries that have uh, maybe tripped up the Vikings, and much more. You listen to Hoops Hill, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoops Hill after this. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and play college and pro ball. I play because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. 
When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I'm a Division Three student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. I'm a Division Three student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Uh, as we roll along here on this Thursday edition of the show, if you've got any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. Um, lots to discuss um, as we roll along, including, if no one's been paying attention, um, the absolutely insane uh, CCIW race. When was the last time the CCIW race wasn't insane on the men's side of things? Um, I swear it is it is set to never finish the way we think it's going to finish. They have this extra game in on Tuesday before the conference tournament, which I kind of like, but it always throws a wrinkle. And if you weren't paying attention Tuesday, see Illinois Wesley and Augustana battling it out, not against each other for a chance to host. If Augustana loses, it goes to Illinois Wesleyan. If Illinois Wesleyan loses, obviously they need Augustana to lose. Augustana needs Illinois Wesleyan to lose for it to go to to Rock Island. Guess what happened? Illinois Wesleyan lost. Augustana won. Had to come from behind to do it. And they get to host in Rock Island. But it's also a little bit rocky in Rock Island, Illinois. Joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline, the head coach of Augustana. It's Greg Giovanni. Coach, thanks for taking the time, sir. Great to be with you, Dave. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I, again, CCIW. I mean, we might as well just flip a coin at the beginning of the season, and we're not we have a better chance of figuring out who's going to come out on top. I think you guys certainly were a favorite after the incredible run to Salem last year in the championship game, and of course, Illinois Wesleyan was thought to to return. I think everybody else thought Wheaton and North Central would be in this race. It felt more like uh, a discombobulated CCIW this season. You guys end up the host, but it wasn't easy. No, it's never easy, but, uh, you know, if you were a betting man, you know, we've been on top of it nine of the last 15 years. We've yep. been uh, either won it or shared a title. So, But there's an awful lot of uh, play and, and good balance and uh, tremendously competitive league, and uh, we were fortunate to 
to hang in there down the stretch. We finished, uh, you know, last year we struggled down the stretch. Yeah, you we didn't did. finish well in league play. This year we did finish five and one in our last six games, and it was enough to uh, get us a share of the title and bring the tournament back to Augustana for the sixth time in the 13-year history of the league tournament. Yeah, I think that was what surprised me the most, was that, um, one, you guys did struggle last year. And I remember looking back at that and reminding myself that heading the NSA tournament, you guys didn't look the strongest that I that I had seen you. And I think you getting to Salem surprised many because of that finish. And a couple times this season, I kind of looked at you guys and went, uh, maybe we're going through this again, and they're going to come out mm-hmm. stronger. Can you rely on that experience from last year in any way to remind yourself, yeah, we've been down this road and we can handle it? Well, first of all, you're right. We, we weren't very good as, as the end of last year uh, arrived. We, we, we kind of limped toward the finish line there and then uh, you know regrouped and won a game in a conference tournament and then, of course, won a kind of an epic battle with St. Thomas in that first round and really took off. Yeah. And, and we had a very, very young team last year, mostly sophomores and freshmen. This year, we have a little bit more seasoned team, but we still only play two seniors uh, any significant minutes. And we have really had a roller coaster year. We, um, I thought we were, you know, perennial favorites maybe to win a national title. And then four games into the season, we lost arguably our best player. Pearson yeah. Wolford was our second leading, rebound, or leading rebounder, averaging 13 a game. And our second leading score, uh, we lost at the University of Illinois game. And, and then we, you know, kind of regrouped and, uh, um, you know, battled through league play, and then coming down the stretch, we lost our starting center, Micah Martin, who's, you know, as dominant of a defensive presence I think there is in the country at this level at, you know, 6'10 with a 7'5 wingspan. And so, we, you know, we kind of survived these last couple games without Micah. And, uh, you know, we'll see now if we can you know, kind of regroup here and make another run. Yeah, you guys, uh, and by the way, we should point out, you still finished 15-1 and in the CCIW. That one loss to Illinois Wesley, and of course, their lone loss is to you as well. I think it's that's correct. Well, um, no, 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 I had that wrong. Play. I apologize. I, yeah. I'm looking at the wrong team here. Uh, you were yeah. 22 and 20 and five, 12 and four in conference right. standings. Illinois Wesleyan 12 and four. You two did split though. Um, yeah, we. That's right. We split, and then we won a tiebreaker based on yeah. our sweep of North Central, who finished third. Right, which they split with. Um, that loss being the tiebreaker essentially on Tuesday. Um, correct. Yeah, you guys had, I mean, losing Warford last year, you lost Warford for other reasons last year, and you had mm-hmm. Johnson, basically, the big guy inside, that I think mm-hmm. made a huge difference, and you guys seemed to, nothing against him, not miss Warford. What I mean is you adjusted well. This year, Warford went out, and I remember thinking to myself, okay, they've been down this road again, but then I forgot, Johnson isn't there, and you don't necessarily have that, right. that presence. It seemed like you did struggle a little bit after the Warford injury to find someone to replace the Warford presence. Hey, absolutely, you're right. Uh, Jacob Johnson, the senior last year, had a terrific uh, stretch run for us on the front line, scoring the ball. And and uh, you know when we had lost uh, Pearson this year, we lost Pearson, and and there really wasn't anybody to step in uh, to get the kind of numbers he was putting yeah. up. So it, it took a very much a collective effort. And the fact of the matter is, we just we weren't nearly as dominant as I thought that we were going to be with him. But still, you know, again, a number of different guys. Uh, contributed a little bit more, and and we, I just thought this group battled as hard as any team we've had to find a way to win games. And it, as you referenced earlier, 
Uh, we had to come from behind. We were 11 points down with eight minutes to go in our last home game right. and won. And, and these guys have really found ways to win, but it certainly hasn't been overpowering our opponent. <laughs> no, uh, you've been grinding them out in, in some right. ways. Right. Um, yeah. So then you lose Micah Martin. And by the way, for anybody who's looking, yeah, we used Micah, Micah's picture in our promos accidentally. <laughs> uh, I tried to avoid Warford and accidentally used Micah in return. That one feels like, oh, boy, you lost a second one. So the fight back against um, uh, against Elmhurst on, on Tuesday was certainly nice to see. But I, personally, I'm concerned. How much more can you guys take um, yeah. in the sense of injuries? Are, what's the point of view from your, your vantage point? Well, it's a, it's a valid question. You know, last year in our tournament run, Micah was an absolute dominant yeah. uh, defensive presence. Uh, and and you, you saw that right through the Final Four run. Yeah. Um, you know, we we have gone into our bench, and I, I do think we probably have as much depth on our front line uh, as, as most any team at our level. But, you know, to have that kind of dominance in there um, – you know, I don't know. I think uh, it remains to be seen, um, and I do feel like we've kind of been in survival mode here. Now, you know, can we regroup and and really uh, hit our stride again? Uh, we'll we'll find out here. Yeah. Certainly, the conference tournament will test us. One of the other players that j- really jumped out during your postseason run last year and has been there, but I feel like hasn't gotten much attention for whatever reason is Christian Orange. Um, he had a couple huge shots in your NCAA tournament run last year. Um, I can see one of them. I don't remember who it was against, but um, to win games for you. He's averaging a, a team-high 16 points a game, four rebounds a game. Uh, has handed out uh, third-highest assists on the team and, and shooting 49% from the floor and 45% from deep. Is it just that almost, everyone's been so focused on Warford and, and Martin and even guys like Nolan Abel that Krishan, as good as he is, just isn't getting the attention? Well, and, and he's our, our best perimeter defender as well. Right. And uh, you're right, Dave. Last year, he hit two game winners in the first two rounds of the yeah. NCAA tournament against St. Thomas and then against Whitewater. And, and really, you know, just as big a clutch plays as we've ever had anybody make. But he's had, I'd say, a very steady season. I mean, there have been some variables that uh, have been inconsistent for us, particularly on the front line. But our backcourt has been there every night. You mentioned Nolan Ebel along with Chris Orange. Those two guys who both were on the all-tournament team last year in the Final Four were both just named to the first-team all-conference right. uh, in the CCIW. So those two guys have really been steady and consistent, and, uh, you know, and Chris uh, has had a terrific year. So the task at hand, you seem like you're pretty much assured to make the NCAA tournament no matter the results, as it were. Um, you can afford to lose, as they say. Um, and Illinois Wesleyan probably is going to get in as well. However, I know there's more to play than that. You have been around this uh, this trip a few times. You you understand what's at stake as well. Uh, you're sitting number three in the regional rankings. I know you'd love to have games at Rock Island. Do you guys need? Do you feel like you need to go out there and win the CCIW to to assure a chance at that? And if you lose, you don't get it at all. Well, I'm, you know, I was on the uh, regional ranking committee the last couple of years, so I had a much better sense of kind of how those numbers were shaking out. I do appreciate that they're publishing them this year. I mm-hmm. think the more transparency, the better. Um, I think we're, from what it looks like, is we're a very solid third in the region. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know if that's going to change, win or lose. Uh, 
And I, I do think that there's a very strong possibility that we'll get to play games in Rock Island. Obviously, if we could win two more games, uh, it would enhance our chances to do so. And, and you know, we really, like most coaches, we, we just talk about our next game and our next opponent and all those other variables will will uh, take care of themselves. And, and But you're right, we'd certainly love to be playing that first weekend uh, here at Augustana. Um, yeah, you, the Rock Island's hard to play at. We all know that. Um, and one of the other things I kind of I kind of got startled by is I feel like every time we've seen you in Salem, it's the years we don't expect you. And the years we expect you to get there, unfortunately, you're not able to. I would say this is an unexpected year the way you guys have been beat up. But I want to go back to that Illinois game. Uh, great opportunity to play them. You guys decide to count it as a scrimmage game, if memory serves. So it doesn't count against your your record, which is great. But... When Warford gets injured, is that one of those that, in hindsight, you think to yourself, maybe that isn't worth having on the schedule? Or does that get chalked up to, that could have happened on any basketball night in the season? Yeah, I think the, the upside of those games uh, outweigh the, the negatives. Now, if it was football and it's, it's just a physical yeah. mismatch, it, it makes no sense at all. But, I, you know, he just came down awkwardly and, and, as you said, could have done that in any game or any practice um, you know, if you walk into my office, there's giant pictures of us playing the University of Iowa and, <laughs> and our, our win over Bradley and yeah. playing Illinois and playing Gonzaga. All, all those games that, that my relationships have, have led to um, those games, I think really benefit us in terms of separating us uh, from other Division three programs to, you know, to be able to play those games. Kids love that. And, and the experience mm. of playing in a Big Ten arena um, – I think it really outweighs any downside to it. And, and it's unfortunate that that injury was sustained in that, in that game. Yeah. But uh, as you said, I, I, I don't have any regrets in terms of, you know, giving the kids the opportunity to be in that kind of environment. And, you know, it's interesting, Dave, even Pearson Wolford since then has said to me, and he's from Springfield, Illinois, which is right, right. next to Champaign. He said, yep. Coach, you know, it's a thrill of a lifetime for me to get to play in the State Farm Center against the, you know, Big Ten opponents. So, uh, you know, that said, uh, we'll, we'll always take on those opportunities. <laughs> well, that's that's why I asked. I, I do know. I remember, yeah. uh, and, and of course, you've also apparently beaten Michigan, if you remember. Uh, a lot of D3 fans thought you guys beat Michigan. Of course, it wasn't you. Uh, <laughs> it was the Dakota version of Augustana, who has the exact well, same actually, colors. It was, it was the University of Iowa, actually, yeah. I, oh, it was Iowa, and, right. It was Iowa. And, and I think I might have told you, Dave, the, the head coach at Augustana, South Dakota, is a good friend of mine, and I told him, uh, two weeks after they had won, I said, I want you to know I'm graciously accepting all the congratulatory messages I'm getting for our great win over the University of Iowa. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you're right. It was South Dakota. Yeah, I love how that's you guys and them, both same name, both same colors, both same uh, mascot. <laughs> Though, thankfully, you've all have slightly changed your, your uh, logos because at a time the logos were too similar as well. Uh, I at least appreciate that. Um, yeah. Gray, this the CCIW is continues to be a beast, as it were. Carol's now joined it; certainly made it more fascinating. Well, now we're getting some coaching turnover. I'm noticing um, Elmhurst with a new head coach, um, Milliken, um, and some others. How competitive is the bottom of the CCIW expected mm -hmm. to get? Does that make any sense? Like with this turnover, is this conference just going to start getting? nastier and nastier in the in the in the future or is that just I, I, too hard to call no i think it's a great observation i don't think there's the separation that there once was i 
I feel like several years ago I could look in, at the bottom and just feel like, man, we're just got to show up and we're going to get those W's. Yeah. As you said, Milliken's got a new coach who's done a great job. He used to be at Elmhurst. Uh, right. Mark, sure, they were very challenging this year. Um, you know, Carroll, it's interesting. We lost to Carroll uh, late in the season, and everybody thought, oh, boy, you guys really stubbed their toe. Carroll won six of their last seven games in this league. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he could have been coach of the year. Uh, Paul Coombs did a great job. And so I, I think you're right. I think that the you know, last year, North Park were co-champions in the league. Yeah. So they're, you know, to say, well, the bottom of the league, hey, I'm not sure who the bottom of the league is. And you know, we played uh, Elmhurst the other night who didn't make the conference tournament. And my goodness, they, they gave us fits. So I, I do think there's great parity in, in uh, the, the second, you know, the bottom path, so to speak, of the league. And let me say this, Dave, one of the things that you're going to see next year is a change in our conference tournament yes. format. And I think, you know, I looked at that right now, I think, okay, well, if you're playing, you know, five and six, uh, you know, one and two will get a bye, of course. But, hey, those would be unbelievable games. And I think it's a great thing to to include more teams in the tournament. I was going to ask you about that because uh, the CCIW purists are sitting on their porch. Oh, uh, oh, what is me? What are we doing? We don't usually have a tournament. Now it's been expanded to six teams. And What is your vantage point on that, and how did that all come to be? Yeah, well, 13 years ago we, we brought it in. When I came in the league 19 years ago, they oh, Dude, I can't they, believe it was 13 really years. Wow, great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and when I came in, I was a tremendous advocate for a conference tournament. And as I explained to, the, to, the, to coaches over and over, I said, you know, I've coached in seven different, six different major college conferences. And every one of them had a conference tournament. And whether I was with a good team a marginal team or a bad team, we were excited about the conference tournament. Down the stretch, you're playing meaningful games if you have a conference tournament. And if you don't have a conference tournament and you're playing down the stretch, you're playing for nothing. And so it really made the late-season games more competitive. And, and I said, you know, the biggest issue is what is the best interest of the student-athletes? Well, the student-athletes love the conference tournament, and that's an experience that they get to have. It is it's like an addition to the postseason. You know, you have the NCAA tournament. Well, you also have the, the conference tournament is the beginning of the postseason. So I was really an advocate for it. Um, they had always given the, the uh, regular season champ the automatic bid. Well, sure enough, once the conference tournament came in, I think we won three in a row, and I was kicking myself. I thought, well, you know, we didn't get the automatic bid because we have a conference tournament now. But I think it's been a great thing for the fans and certainly for the players. What do you say to those who say, oh, this means the regular season isn't is, is important and we're, we're watering down the regular season, blah, blah, blah? Well, I think uh, uh, that's just, you know, it's, it's misguided. I think we won, you know, a share of the conference championship. I mean, our guys hoisted the trophy. We took pictures and celebrated. And it was a great accomplishment. And we know that the hardest thing to do in college basketball is to win a two-month-long round-robin um, double, you know, uh, uh, yeah, double you know, where you play everybody twice. That's the hardest yeah. thing to do. But the excitement of a weekend with an NCAA bid in the balance, um, you know, is is just as good for the fans and the and the players, I think, as as there can be. It just it heightens that excitement. It's a it's a mini March Madness. And again, I come back to I think if you ask any player. They would say they, they really think it's a great thing. I appreciate the uh, the insight on that. Before I let you go, I did get a, co- a question via email from uh, uh, Bobby, who's class of 75 at Augustana. 
says, what's happened to the home court advantages? Carver crazies. I rarely hear anything on the video broadcast. What happened to the pep band and the Augustana fight song? Do you think the students have taken the team for granted? What can the Augie fan do to help the team? Well, we have far and away the greatest attendance of any team in the conference this mm-hmm. year. Um, we we don't have our students, of course, right now on the, on the break. Yeah, you guys have a different um, schedule than everybody else. We right? do. We're on we're on the trimesters. That'll right. change uh, in two years. But um, so we do lose our students for some of these home games. But I would say our home court's been just tremendous and uh, as good an atmosphere, uh, I think, as there is still in Division three basketball. We uh, we played Illinois Wesleyan on a Wednesday night. It was standing room only. Hmm. Um, and, and, you know, it's interesting. I, I will say this from that perspective. When you watch the video feed on our games, it, it's really from the wrong side of the floor. It, it's from behind our benches. Yeah. And, and the picture shows an upside-down logo. <laughs> and if our students aren't there, it's an empty section. Yeah. Well, what you don't see from that camera is the other side is always completely packed in part because it's chair back theater seating. No, that's nice. And, and that's where our community fans want to sit. Yeah. But, uh, I think you'll see Augustana. I'm certain, uh, we were in the top 10 in the nation last year in attendance. I think we'll be much higher than that this year, particularly if we continue to, to play some home games. Yeah. And sometimes the video, depending on the microphones, if they don't have a crowd mic, sometimes you can't really hear everything, but the, the person asked, right. I figured I'd, I'd yeah. ask as well. I'd love to get back out there sometime. I don't know. I don't know if you want me there. Uh, it hasn't gone well when I've shown up, um, but we'll see. Maybe someday I'll make the trick. Um, well, I would love to have you back. Um, I, I could talk to you forever. You got you had game against Stevens Point before we saw them in Vegas. Um, that I, I'm sure you, you're you'd have some great insight on, and obviously the rest of this conference. But you've got Wheaton ahead of you. And on the other side of it, it's what Illinois Wesleyan and uh, North Central, North Central, in a rematch. That's right, right. Uh, of Tuesday's game. What do you got to do right. to get past what I would call an enigma in Wheaton? Because man, I cannot put my finger on what they really are this season. Uh, and in that case, and then if you can get past them, what are you going to need to do to get past the, the and win the ch- championship on uh, Saturday? Well, Wheaton came into our place early in the year and beat us. Yeah, and. Uh, and then we beat them up there. That's uh, why you know, they're right an the, enigma. <laughs> yeah, and we beat them up there almost at the buzzer. Well, they, they have the player of the year in the conference. Certainly, Aston Francis yeah. is the most dynamic player uh, in our league, if not in the nation. We've actually held him to 38 points a game, so we've really done a terrific <laughs> job. The second time we played him, we held him to 37. I was excited. and uh, he, he just is – and they have another all-conference player as well. So they've got a couple of really terrific players. They – they spread you out. They've got a great perimeter game. They're very good in transition, um, and they can really score. So they, they present some real challenges. And on the other side, um, you know, you mentioned that Tuesday game being a bit of a ringer, and I can't imagine that uh, North Central and Illinois Wesleyan are excited about playing 72 hours after uh, yeah. after a, a game of that magnitude. Well, that's North Central's I'm, fault. <laughs> well, I, I I don't know. I think it'll, I'm sure it'll be a, a terrific matchup, and uh, I hope we get to play uh, one of them on that second night. Well, you yeah, uh, you got to win to get in. Um, I know Salem right. means a special something to you guys. Ken Anderson, when he was on the uh, marathon show, made sure to tell you that he's expecting uh, a, to make a trip there uh, the third weekend uh, of March. So no pressure, but your uh, your your famous uh, your famous alum wants to be in Salem. Um, what are your thoughts as we gear up and get ready for our final trip to Salem? Well, what a great venue that's been. I mean, the, I think when people ask me about you know what 
makes that uh, such a good uh, experience? Well, it's, it's the people out there. The, the folks in Salem really embrace that event, and the volunteers and the staff, uh, just terrific. You know, the you know, the facility itself certainly has a lot of character and, and history there. You see all those banners from all the teams that have won national championships. So it's been a great venue and a great host for Division III. Um, I do think it's, it's terrific that they open it up to a bid process again, and I'm sure the, the folks in Fort Wayne will do a great job. But obviously the tra- tradition and history there in Salem uh, is, uh, is outstanding, and we'd sure love to be a part of it one more time. Well, I would love to see you there if you get there. Uh, maybe I'll run into you sooner. You never know. I always love chatting with you. I'm sorry it took us so long to get you on the show this season. Um, as always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Well, yeah, I was thinking about that, Dave. You know, I, I mentioned 19 years I've been at Augustana, and I think one of the things that I've, I, I really sense is, is the growth and awareness of Division Three. Now, I know I'm biased because I've, I'm a part of it now, but I think that there's been such a – um, uh, and, and awareness, and, and whether it's the, the social media or just the efforts of, of D3 Hoops has been so good for the product and, and really uh, you know, promoting the, the Division III uh, uh, product. And I, I just uh, can't thank you guys enough for uh, making what we do something that folks can appreciate. Well, thanks for the kind words. I enjoy it. As always, good luck this weekend. I know we'll be talking about Augustana on Monday. I just kind of gut feeling on that. But we don't know what, so I'll look forward to that when it arrives. Uh, As always, take care of yourself, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Dave. Absolutely. Great, Giovanni, joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. Augustana uh, playing Wheaton in the semis coming up here on Friday, and then the championship all in Rock Island at the Carver Center. Uh, they are 20-5, and 12-4 in conference. We'll see how the CCIW shakes out um, after the weekend. Uh, we'll be back when we come back. Michelle Duran joins us in the WBCA Center Court at Ohio Northern, and then we'll get a preview of the NESCAC tournament as this show goes into overtime and answer your questions. Email us, tweet us, whatever. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoops after this. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The college basketball experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that. A lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game, where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. 
the game-winning shot that gets you to the dance, a monster dunk or no-look pass, and cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success and prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Welcome back to Hoops. Hello, everybody, on this Thursday, the February 22nd, 2018. Uh, going into overtime on this show, coming up now, we'll be talking to women's basketball coach at Ohio Northern, Michelle Durand, and, and then coming up a NESCAC preview with Howard Herman. Then we'll wrap up the show with questions from you. Um, if you have any, we'll also double-check scores from around Division Three. Ongoing right now is, uh, uh, well, coming up next is the WBCA Center Court segment. Had a chance to talk to Michelle Duran from Ohio Northern. She's getting a great opportunity at the WBCA convention to talk about, well, really to do a presentation in front of all these coaches on court. It's not just a roundtable, but it's not a, a lecture per se, but on-court presentation. It's a wonderful opportunity for Division Three coaches. Michelle was asked to do it, uh, believed by Pat Williams and the WBCA. Uh, yes, they are playing a game currently. So we actually talked to Coach earlier. An update on that said game. Ohio Northern leads Otterbine 56-52, 9.50 left to go in the fourth. So early in the fourth quarter, about halfway through the second half. We talked to Michelle earlier today about all of this, the chance that she has at the WBCA uh, convention. Also about this Otterbein game, and much more. She joined us earlier again today to discuss it. Now joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline, it's the head coach of Ohio Northern, Michelle Durand. Team is 22-4, and 15-3 in conference, heading into the conference tournament tonight. Uh, again, talking pre-taped with Coach. And Coach, thanks for taking the time. No problem, Dave. We know you're you're busy this time of year, uh, fighting it out, as it were, uh, as you go into uh, the semifinals here First and foremost, certainly having a, a solid season. Uh, I know you'd maybe love to get the last month back, maybe, and, and have mm -hmm. a few other results there, but you got to be pretty happy with where your team is positioned. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you know, I mean, we, we stumbled a little bit down the stretch, but I'm uh, really proud of my team and how hard they've worked. And, you know, it's a tough conference, so yeah. that happens. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk more about that in the conference in a bit, but I wanted to talk to you. Uh, we mentioned back on the marathon show with a couple of our guests some of the things that division three coaches are doing in the wbca and one of the things that was brought up was the fact that you're going to get the opportunity uh at the d1 final four where the wbca has its convention of doing a presentation on court which is basically for every single coach there across any level including all the way up to d1 and i know those are kind of coveted and and unique opportunities for coaches especially at the Division three level. You, you must have been uh, pretty uh, pretty surprised or, or maybe very honored to have gotten that call. Well, certainly honored and definitely surprised. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not at all expecting to hear from anybody from the WBCA to, to speak at the convention. Yeah, it certainly speaks, though, to maybe your, your prowess with not only being a successful coach but certainly respected amongst your peers. Um, you, that must have probably gone through your mind a few times about this. 
Um, yeah, I guess so. I mean, it's it's um, it's kind of humbling. It's it's pretty neat. It's um, you know we've we've had pretty good success over the last seven or eight years here, and uh, I guess it's nice that people are recognizing it. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, you've been to the conventions, I'm assuming, to some degree, and and you know what these events are like. What what are these for those of us novices? What are these on court type of presentations usually all about? Well, they're they're great learning um, experiences for all the coaches. Um, I've been to pretty much every convention for the last twenty five years, mm-hmm. and um, I, I don't I've missed very few of them. But we go to a lot of those just to learn, you know, learn different drills, different ideas, just different things that coaches are doing around the country, especially the successful ones. You want to find out what people are doing to make themselves successful. So um, it's a great atmosphere. Um, obviously, lots of coaches, and it's. You know, if you love basketball, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely for the basketball aficionado to some degree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always gather that conventions are still a learning tool, even if you've been in coaching for 20, 30, 40 years. You're, you're still learning. How, how often do you come back from these conventions, or in, these partic- in this particular case, a, a coaching session, as it were, on court, and, and utilize what you've learned the next season? Oh, I pick up something every year. Um, honest to God, I pick up something every year. Um, it doesn't always on court. Sometimes... They have great round tables, um, and you get to speak with so many coaches and be around so many coaches. It's there isn't a year I come back and don't have something that we try. I'm putting you on the spot here a little bit, but is there any of these on court scenarios or even the round tables that still sticks with you years later? Um, geez, it has probably put me on the spot a little bit, but um, <laughs> I know a couple of the round tables that I've gotten r- r- more recently. Um, there are some things that we do. We do a black and orange day at the beginning of the season every year, and um, with our parents and everybody. And I, I got that from one of the conventions at a round table. Hmm. Uh, it was a great idea. We kind of tweaked it for ourselves, but it's, um, that's where I got the idea. I know it's a few weeks out and I know your team is still busy. So this may not be at the forefront of your mind, but have you thought about what you're hoping to, uh, to do with your coaching session? Um, a little bit. We haven't planned it. Um, my assistants and I are going to work on that together when the season's over. But um, right now we're thinking of doing, you know, some of our practice drills that we do and, um, just kind of how we arrange practice and how we go about that. Um, to be honest with you, Dave, we don't. <laughs> I was pretty shocked because we don't do a lot of uh, you know intricate things. Um, it's all pretty basic stuff. You know, hopefully somebody can take something home from it. But uh, most of the stuff we do is we've stolen from others. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was wondering how much of this is kind of repetitive, not in a bad way, but because everybody is sharing everything. Uh, at the same time, the advantage of being in Division Three is even if you got all the way to the championship, you've got a couple of weeks to prepare for the convention, whereas anybody else in D1 may not have that opportunity. For sure, for sure. Yeah, they, they don't have any time. We we would still you know, have a little bit of time, yeah. so I'm thankful for that. <laughs> um, what is it, when it comes to a practice, and this is, you kind of opened my a door here for me. This is kind of, we haven't had this opportunity. When it comes to a practice, what's the mm-hmm. secret to how you organize it and run it that A, being a former student-athlete, I can appreciate this, it doesn't get stale for the student-athlete as it goes on throughout the season, but at the same time, they still understand what to expect. Well, I mean, honestly, it takes a lot of planning. I, I It takes me a good hour or more every day to plan for practice, even hmm. this time of year, um, just so that we can kind of keep it somewhat fresh. We do a lot of the same. I, I kind of have a pattern in the way that we go about practice and, and that we have, you know, drills, passing drills, things that we do every single day. Um, but I try to vary up the drills and try to bring a couple new ones in, maybe a couple different challenges throughout the practice that help us maybe keep it more fresh. Um, but, it, you know, and in Division three, 
I can't, my practice cannot go over two hours. Right. And, uh, you know, we have to get what we have to get in in that two-hour time period. So I think you have to be really, really organized in what you're going to do. Uh, my assistants and I talk every day before practice so everybody knows what their job is going into practice. Um, and even, even right now, like our practices don't go over an hour and a half right now because it's just so late in the season. So, sure. Um, so it's just it's a lot of planning, and it takes me a long time to do it. I'm probably a little more of a freak about it than I need to be, but um, <laughs> I think it's important. I've noticed all good coaches are a little bit more of a freak than they need to be probably. Uh, that might, <laughs> might, might be the secret sauce. Um, I know that the drills are important because, one, it gets the players kind of warmed up for practice. It kind of gets them into the right mindset if they haven't gotten there yet with academics and everything else going on in their lives, and it kind of also helps them with the routine of kind of getting mm-hmm. going. But at the same time, how much, even at this point in the season, are the drills still important? with what you're trying to execute because you know we're never going to see a three-man weave (laughs) going down the court uh during a game but how much are those drills still driving home some of the stuff they need to do during a game we still um we still do a lot of them almost every day um more uh especially for our defense so i do a shell drill every single day in Mm. practice there's almost never a day i don't do it but what we do is we might shorten the amount of time that we do it so if we normally do it for six or eight minutes we might only do it for four Mm. Um, but for us, it's really important. And again, I, you know, we do some, some scrimmaging and that kind of thing in practice, but, um, maybe not as much as others do. I, um, I do a lot of buildups, a lot of fundamentals. Um, so for us, they're very, very important. Uh, I, I, I have to do a passing drill every day uh, or it wouldn't <laughs> be our practice. So, um, I think they're really important. I think there are a lot of coaches who might disagree, and then they're not wrong either. So it's right. just kind of the way we go about them. I, one of the things I learned, I, I played soccer and basketball, not in college for basketball, mm-hmm. but certainly for soccer. And one of the things I learned, since they're ball, both ball sports, mm-hmm. was you know I got tired of the running after a while. And I know at the beginning of the season it's all about cardio because you got to get in shape. But obviously sure. you, you kind of edge that out, as you said, hour and a half practice near the end because you don't want to wear everybody out after a long season. But – how much, though, is it also the secret, and this is the one I learned, was, oh, they don't realize they're running if they've got the ball, in this case, in their hand, or in my case, on their foot, whereas just straight running, we all know we're running. Uh, how much mm-hmm. does that play a factor in your practices? I think it's huge. I mean, and we tell them, look, if we can do, if we can get after it in our drills, I don't have to spend extra time running at the end of practice. I rarely do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I can think of on one hand how many times we did that all season this year. Hmm. So, um, because if they get after it, then they're getting, they're getting in the shape that they need to be in. Yeah. If, if they aren't, then I've got to spend some extra time getting you in shape and, <laughs> you know, you can do it one of two ways. So, and they prefer to do it with the ball in their hand. Well, it doesn't feel like running when you've got the ball in your hand. Absolutely. You don't uh-huh. realize you're doing wind sprints when, rea- when the ball's not in your hand. You're very aware you're doing wind sprints. Absolutely. <laughs> it's a mental thing. <laughs> no one thing. likes those. No. <laughs> it, it is a mental thing for sure. And then how much of the is it also trying to adapt to what you're going to face with an opponent in your case? And I know every coach does this differently. Or is it for you guys? No, we practice what we practice. We're going to beat you doing our stuff. We're not overly concerned about using practice time to, to, to adjust to an opponent. Um, well, I'm, we practice what we practice, but I do spend quite a bit of time on the opponent. Mm-hmm. Um, more how we're going to defend them. Um, we don't necessarily change what we're going to do offensively against them, but we, how we defend them is is really important. So we we do spend a, to, a good amount of time doing that. Um, we do it some with film, and then we do it in practice. I think it's important. I don't want to go in and be surprised at all. And the kids have gotten used to that. I think again, they've taken on my personality a little bit. They don't want to be surprised. Mm-hmm. 
So um, we spend a good amount of time doing that. Um, I don't think right now we're good enough that we can't spend enough time doing that, that, you know, that we could go out and just step on the floor and beat people. So um, for us, it's a good amount. Like we probably spent a good, you know, 35, 40 minutes last night on Otterbine. So, Hmm. um, and we played them twice already. So, (laughs) right. Well, you're kind of familiar with them. Um, How much of the time is of the scout is done on the floor? How much of that time is done on videos showing them? So yesterday it was about 20 minutes on video and, like I said, probably 35 minutes on hmm. on the floor. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how much video has changed. I am assuming when you started coaching, video wasn't as prevalent. It was all about a scout team. It was all about making sure people understood what was happening from reserve players. Right, for sure. Uh, now that, you know, there's so much in video. I mean, we can clip things. They don't have to see the whole film. Yeah. And you can kind of show them what you want to show them and be done with it. So it's it's really been great and helpful. Does that change recruiting in the sense of having a big enough squad to have practice players back in the day versus nowadays you don't necessarily need that? Um, it doesn't really change it for us. We have a JV team, too, and they, oh, they right. kind of take care of that. So we, we always have right around 20 players in our program, so it hasn't changed it really for us. Fascinating. At practice, mm-hmm. we got, I could talk about practices because I found the nuance of practices to be fascinating, as I said. Learning the fact that running with a ball was a lot different than running without it. Uh, mm-hmm. is kind of part of that. Um, and, and, and being a practice player back in the day for, for women's basketball, I learned a lot about how practices are put together. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. is there a, what will make you adjust a practice in the middle of a practice? And I realize not doing something right or doing something well works, but are you reading mm-hmm. anything else? Oh, absolutely. You know, how, you know, how is the practice going? How is their mood? Are we you know, do we seem really tired today? Um, kind of what happened, you know, if we came off a game the night before, um, if we're really struggling with a certain, you know, skill, we might stay longer on it or we might just cut it short. Or, you know, if things are going well, I'll cut things short if they're going well. Mm-hmm. You know, we want to end, end, end on a good note. And sure. my assistants always tell me that. If it's going well, it's just, you know, we can stop it. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's move on. They, they wouldn't yeah. mind getting a little extra rest time. Uh, um, how much does something like the end of this season so far, where you guys finished uh, five and threes um, since the end of January, how much does that affect your practices too? How much do you have to adjust things depending on how the season's going? Well, we, we do. You know, and um, the last time we lost to Otterbein, we actually had a practice where we didn't get on the floor. We just had a practice where we sat in a room together. Air <laughs> mm. um, grievances and- type thing or just talking it out? Just talking it out. We didn't really have grievances. I think it was a little more of a people feeling some pressure, uh-huh. um, and we just we just needed to talk, and that ended up being way more valuable than what we would have ever done on the floor. Fascinating. So, mm-hmm. Talking to Michelle Duran, head coach of Ohio Northern. Yes, if you're confused on this live show, we are not talking to her live while they're playing Otterbein. Uh, in the conference tournament, this is pre-taped, and we appreciate her taking the time. Let's talk about the season here quickly before we let you go. Uh, again, uh, a 5-3 and three finish. Capital tripped you up. Dixie Jeffers seems to have her ways back in uh, end of January. And then John mm-hmm. Carroll and Otterbein got you on back-to-back games on December 10th and 14th. And then Marietta nearly tripped you up, though the thrilling over- double overtime win to end a regular season and then got mm-hmm. past Wilmington in the first round of the conference tournament. In your words an expected finish considering how tough the OAC has become or disappointing finish in the way you guys have been playing prior? Um, you know, it's always disappointing when you lose some games, but sure. uh, we, you know, people think we were overconfident and all that. And then we, we definitely weren't. Uh, we went into every one of those games expecting to have a good game. And I think 
Um, we've had some really good success lately, so people point at us, and you have to play a lot with, with the X on your back. And, um, you know, we were feeling some pressure, and, and those teams were playing well. I mean, John Carroll ended up finishing seventh, but people don't realize how, how good they were down the stretch. They really improved a lot and got some of their kids back, mm-hmm. and um, they were pretty good. And, and you mentioned uh, Capital, and they are really well coached, and they were a young team, and so they came on at the end as well. And Otterbein's really good. I mean, much better than people expected. They had won, I think, eight or nine in a row coming into our place. So, you know, um, it's disappointing to lose, but uh, like I told you, we had our little come to Jesus. That's what I call it. And then uh, on Saturday, had a really, that was a huge win against Marietta, who's a, a great team. And um, I expect to be in the championship on Saturday for them. So um, they've got a lot of really good athletes and, uh, and are, are really good. So. You know, it, was, it ended on a good note on Saturday, and uh, hopefully we can keep it going tonight. We'll see. <laughs> uh, your last, your first loss of the season was the first game against your uh, previous, who you previously coached back in the day. Bluffton yeah. caught you by uh-huh. one. Um, yeah. <laughs> it seems like a, a tough way to start the season, but, man, you rolled off a bunch of games after that. Yeah, I mean, uh, the Bluffton game was a great game as well. It's it's weird because Bluffton's 10 minutes from us, and we right. played them in Chicago. So um, <laughs> they, got, they hit a shot right at the buzzer to, yeah. to beat us, and uh, – Happy for them because I was I'm a Bluffton grad as well. So, yep. um, but yeah, we had to we kind of had to figure out who we were. You know, we had a lot of people back, but we lost a, a few pretty key players, and um, we were able to get 17 straight. And then you know, Capital got us. So it happens. And basketball is a funny game. If you watch Division One, I, I mean, yeah. nobody could pick who's going to win what this year. So I think it's a lot like that in Division Three as well. So true. Uh, in our area, people are perplexed by the Maryland women not having as great a season as I think they thought. Um, mm-hmm. So, looking at your squad, uh, is there any pressure? You're sixth in the regional rankings, which is kind of in an interesting spot in the Great Lakes. Granted, who's ahead of mm-hmm. you are some behemoths and probably not going to be really part of the conversation uh, come Sunday night for at-larges. Um, you've got four or three seniors in your top four in scoring. Um, mm-hmm. Is there pressure to try and you know have a big finish to this season, considering the class slash what the, the rest of the season had been up to this point? Um, yeah, I think that's probably why we've we've had some pressure coming down the stretch. I don't know if the pressure is there now. Um, I, I mean, I think, you know, we haven't talked to the kids much about that. I mean, I think in my mind we have to win tonight to have a chance. So, um, and if we don't, I don't. I think we probably won't make the tournament. But um, I haven't told the kids that. I don't know if they think that. So, it's a good thing huh. this is airing during the game. <laughs> yeah, they, they won't watch, I don't think. So, uh so, yeah, hopefully, you know, there's a little pressure, but I don't know if they feel it. I mean, it's probably more on my shoulders than anything. Yeah, you talk about it. I was wondering if you felt you needed to do anything particular this week to, to position yourself as best as possible. You feel you need to be in the championship game. I think so, yeah. I mean, I'm actually on that committee, the regional mm-hmm. advisory committee. So um, I, I think we do based on, you know, the way our region looks and, and where we've been and, so, I mean, I, I wish, you know, I think 22 and 4 is pretty good. Yeah, I know. It's tough <laughs> I, I on mean, the women's side. I think that should be, yeah, yeah, I think that should get, get you in. But, um, you know, I've experienced years where we, we didn't get in and had yeah. pretty good records. So. Well, flip this over to the men's side. You're in great shape uh, with all the losses they've had on the men's side. The women's yeah. side, it's a little bit tougher conversation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you look at those different regions, and it's it's pretty incredible. Yeah, especially the Great Lakes. <laughs> and, and again, fascinating. You've got DePaul, Saint uh, Thomas More. You've got Hope, um, and and mm-hmm. the rest in this in this great Rose Holman in this in this Great Lakes region. This is a tough region to stand out from, unless you go absolutely spectacular all season long. Yeah, I mean, I I think I think that you know I'll be pretty surprised if if at least 
um, one of the teams in our region isn't in the final game. Yeah. I'll be surprised. Yeah. <laughs> You're on the rack. You certainly know those numbers best. Uh, how hard is that to also do as a job while also trying to coach? It's really hard. There's a lot that more that goes into it. This is the first year I've ever done it. Um, I've learned a lot. Uh, it's it's awkward at times because you don't know how to talk about you know you don't want to talk about your own team. Um, yeah. But you know it's there. You know you want to be fair and you want your the best teams to be to be ranked and and to hopefully have a chance to be in. So it's been it's been pretty interesting. But it is some more work than I anticipated. Yeah, I hear that a lot. Uh, <laughs> and I understand entirely. Well, coach, I know you got more work to do, so we'll let you go. But before we do, we always have the the couple of questions we ask every coach on the WBCA Center Court. Do you mind having a little fun with us? Sure. Uh, most of these, you don't have to overthink. Uh, just okay. give us whatever's off the top of your head. Uh, we'll start with an easy one. What's your favorite thing about coaching, especially in Division Three? Oh, I just said this the other day. I love watching the kids celebrate when you have a big victory. It was a lot of fun. Oh, cool. Uh, do you have any uh, pet peeves? And if so, what's your biggest? Uh, my biggest pet peeve, and the girls would tell you this, is people being late. Ah, I hear that a lot from some. Was it fi- uh, on time is five minutes late? Are you one of those? Yes. <laughs> I know For a, sure. I know a few of those. Uh, is there any favorite rule or nuance to the game that you love? Um, I really like the quarters. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. I've become a fan of the quarters as well, mm-hmm. uh, especially the reset of the of the fouls so we don't have a long trip to the free throw line all the darn time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Any pregame ritual or superstition? Everything about me is superstitious. So <laughs> if we lose, if I wear a certain um, outfit and we lose in it, I never wear it again. Wow. Um, <laughs> so I have certain, uh, certain things I, I always wear, certain things that I try to do. So, yeah, you're... So, um, probably my clothes and, and that kind of thing would be the most. We'll go back to look at the video of the three games you lost and just point out that we'll never see those outfits again, huh? You'll never. Never. No. Wow. No. How much goes to Goodwill? <laughs> well, you know, I might wear them in other things. Yeah. I just won't wear them to coach. I How's that? <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, how would yeah. your assistants describe you as a coach? Uh, well, it depends on when you catch them. No, they would probably say uh, passionate. <laughs> Okay. I love that. Uh, yeah, I can imagine there's sometimes they may not have the same comments. Um, yeah. And when you retire, because all good coaches do eventually retire, what do you hope people remember you as a coach? I hope they know that I cared a lot about my players. Oh, perfect. Coach, thanks so much for taking the time. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Uh, go Bears, I guess. <laughs> oh, perfect. Coach, thanks so much. We appreciate you taking the time, uh, and good luck the rest of the of this week. Thanks a lot, Dave. It is Michelle Duran joining us from Ohio Northern. The team is playing Otterbein as we air this interview, 22-4 and in the season, 15-3, and and looking to be in the conference championship and the NCAA tournament. She joins us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. Now joining us on the City of Salem. Thanks, for Coach, for coming on the show. Appreciate her taking the time. Wonderful conversation. Good insight on practices there. <clears throat> She'll get to give more of that insight to coaches at the uh, convention. Uh, thanks to the WBCA, as always, for their support of the women of the WBCA Center Court. Uh, as well. Going to take another break. When we come back, Howard Herman joins us to talk about the Northeast region. We'll give you some score updates as well. We'll talk specifically about the NESCAC with Howard. You're listening to Hoops presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoops after this. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there 
and take it. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. Something I discovered to myself is that if I have a goal, then I can accomplish it. It's a well-rounded experience. At a Division III school, you primarily a student athlete, so the school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. I used to never really talk, ever. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Apparently I'm back. <laughs> Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Sorry about that. Replying to an email from a guest or from a from a viewer. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Uh, email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville, where I know some of you have been tuning in. Um, apparently, under the uh, during the interview we had with uh, Piedmont's Jamie Purdy, we accidentally ran Steve Shulman's interview underneath. Uh, terribly sorry. We grabbed templates on this show to run interviews. Um, and apparently I grabbed the template that still had Steve's interview underneath. I really hope you could hear for Jamie and that where our audio is better than Steve's. I have a bad feeling it wasn't, and in that case, I am I am very, very sorry, especially to Piedmont fans. Uh, we will work to get Jamie back on the show at a later date. Uh, it is one of the reasons, as Ira points out, that I need production intern. Yeah, I need assistance. We run this show by ourselves, folks. If you could see the behind-scenes look, three monitors, Audio board, telephone panel, keyboard, uh, another computer to my side, lighting, cameras, and all that. Um, yeah, we need assistance to really do this show the proper way. And someday, someday we'll find a way to do that. Um, I don't know how to get an intern set up, to be blunt. And my son isn't old enough yet. <laughs> it's the long and the short of it. Uh, quick score updates. Uh, Nichols came storming back on Roger Williams. Uh, they were down 47-39 at half at halftime, but Nichols outscored Roger Williams 50-28 to in the second half to win 89-75. Also, Salem State, their season has come to a close in the semifinals. Do not see them as a Pool C candidate whatsoever as 10th ranked in the regional rankings. Ironically enough, their season comes to a close on a loss. Uh, Farmingdale State beat them. Um, after we talked to earlier today Howard Herman from the Berkshire Eagle. Talked to him mainly about the NESCAC, but we also talked about some other things going on in the Northeast. I'm just realizing we don't have that interview as queued up as I thought we did. Sorry about that. Hang on a quick second. We will do that. Um, Salem State was uh, one of those who's getting some top 25 attention, rightly or wrongly, say la vie. Um, 
they were 10th in the regional rankings. It would have taken a lot of the Northeast to be selected um, for them to get in, as it were. So, unfortunately, it looks like their season has come to a close. Um, you know, good season. I think they had a, a, a pretty good one. Um, just not a strong enough resume, I think, to be a Pool C contender. Nichols was in the same boat. Remember, they weren't even regionally ranked this week. So, they needed to, to have some help as it I believe we're back on the air. I uh, apologize if you're listening to the podcast. There was a bit of a break there, and now we're back on the air. If you've been watching us on Facebook and YouTube, I do hope we're back. Um, uh, hoping so. Uh, so we were talking about the Northeast region, trying to get an interview with um, um, Howard Herman set up. Bear with us as I'm going to try again to do said uh, segment, um, and hopefully it works. It froze as we were trying to set it up. Um, but, of course, didn't like us very much. Um, so the Northeast region, again, Salem State losing, not all that confident that they're going to get in now, um, unfortunately, just the way it kind of worked out this season with them. Um, pretty good season, to say the least. Um, just not in the cards, just to, to be blunt. Uh, not enough done there um, to be of a threat um, for an at-large bid. They needed to get in earning it by winning the AQ, and we're unable to do so, unfortunately. So, um, looking, here it is. We're looking for the segment we did with Howard Herman as we lost some of our setup there. Unfortunately, still working on that. If you got questions for us, you can always tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville as well. Uh, hopefully going to get this, if, if the system doesn't crash with us, trying to, to do this here um, momentarily. Um, it, it, <laughs> knock on wood. This is where it crashed last time, and we hope we get it back up. Thank you, Jay, for telling me you can see me. I appreciate it. Uh, in your conversation with coaches, ADs, and SIDs over the years, what are the main reasons that teams either choose to play in or not play in the ECACs if they don't make the NCAA tournament? That conversation has changed quite a bit, um, to be honest with you, over the years. Um, I nowadays it's been a financial one, and that's usually the biggest reason it's a financial one. It used to be certainly a, a big one about the carrot, as it were, and I'm hoping as I click on this that nothing goes sideways here. Bear with us, folks. Yep, looks like it held on to it that time, so we'll get Howard's interview here in a second. So I'll answer this ECAC question, then we'll get to Howard Herman here. or uh, How, Yeah, Howard Herman from the Berkshire Eagle. Um, for the most part, the conversation has been about the fact that um, for the, for many schools, it, it was a carrot. Hey, let's let's get better. Let's show we can do better. Let's show we're a good program, um, and give the, our our players um, a, an opportunity to get some postseason experience. Um, I think at a, after a while, that no longer um, is a carrot. I think after a while. I don't think the the it, it works anymore to get onto the NCAA. Um, the later conversations nowadays ha have become financial. Um, the ECAC, in my opinion, doesn't work uh, financially. Um, the the dues for the conference are much higher than they are for the NCAA, even after the NCAA um, up their dues. It's still significant to be in the in the um, ECAC. On top of that, you're paying for everything. Uh, so you pay an NCAA due. At the old days, it was $900. Now it's been raised to about, I think it's $1,900 or something. 
The NCAA still pays for postseason transportation, still pays for postseason hotels, still pays for a lot of things if you're the host as well. If you're the ECAC, you pay dues, which are about $2,500 a year in the old days, and you still have to pay for your transportation to an event. You still have to pay if you're hosting an event. You still have to pay your own way for for lodging and, and all of these other things. Where does your money really go in the ECAC? Furthermore, the ECAC has changed its model now that schools can not have to opt in for the entire year. They can opt in via sport. But still, you pay a fee to be in it, and then you're paying money to be involved. And it's, it, in my opinion, especially in tight financial times, it flies in the face of everything that makes sense about the ECAC. And I don't think it makes any more sense. Um, I think the ECAC, you can see all the ice hockey programs left the ECAC because I think the ECAC also forgot about Division Three, kind of rode its coattails for a while, focused on D1, and I think D3 got fed up. And I don't blame them to some degree. ECAC is, has, has worked. It's been the right thing for a lot of schools for a long time. I think they lost their way. I think they lost their focus uh, under other previous administrations, not current administrations. I think the current administration is doing what they can. But they also went and screwed up football, in my opinion. Uh, football didn't need to be touched. The bowl series system was working. They went and screwed with that. Uh, we can certainly talk more about that. But I want to get to my segment with Howard Herman now that it, I believe it's it's queued up and ready to go. Uh, Howard joined me earlier today to talk about the NESCAC primarily, but we also talked a little bit about the uh, NCAA tournament. Um, or I should say the East region, not just the, the NESCAC tournament. Um, and uh, we always love talking to, her, to uh, Howard, and here's that segment with him. Now joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline, it is Howard Herman, who's a sports writer columnist for the Berkshire Eagle, who's been covering the NESCAC for the last two decades. He's been a friend on the show at least once a year, and thank you, sir, for taking the time tonight. Dave, it's always a pleasure to be with you. Well, thank you. Um, all right, so we don't normally go this isolated with a with a regional guest, but the NESCAC is always a topic of conversation for starters. And second of all, it has been wacky on both sides for different reasons as we enter the semifinal weekend here. Um, both semifinals to take place at Amherst. Amherst will be just a bit busy. Uh, on the side note, ice hockey going on at home too. So if you're an Amherst fan, you gotta you gotta divvy up your games here. Um, our first and foremost, let's talk. Start on the men's side. Absolute insanity at the end of the season with Amherst making a run to make a five-way tie at the top. We had tiebreakers galore, figuring things all out. So of course, I think we all expected the first night of the tournament, the quarterfinals last weekend, there would be some upsets. And oh no, no, no! It was chalk. All four top seeds won. Not what everybody expected. Not at all. I I was shocked. That that chalk held that weekend, but when I was um, when I was talking to Williams coach Kevin App, he said the one thing about chalk holding is that all four of those teams got to play at home, and when you play at home after having a week off and preparing for one team, it's a lot different than getting ready for your Friday night Saturday afternoon. But I would have expected one team to get upset, and even even the close games. I think the teams that. The one that came the closest getting upset, ironically enough, was the 1-8 game. Yeah. Um, Amherst-Bowden. Amherst needed a late shot to win that. Williams beat Trinity by two, but I was there, and that game was pretty comfortable. It took, a, you know, it was a desperation heave at the end of a shot clock that made it a two-point game with not enough time for Trinity to come back. So that game wasn't quite, wasn't quite the two-point game, but, yeah, I mean, you had, when the first tiebreaker came, all we knew was that Amherst was first and Middlebury, that was fifth in the country, 
Mm-hmm. And then lost two games, dropped down to not even getting a home game, which was just absolutely breathtaking when you watched how quickly that team fell. And then they had to go to a second tiebreaker to finish out two, three, and four. Yeah, and Binnover about to do what we call the Wesleyan, which was losing the quarterfinals and sit two weeks before you play in the NCAA tournament because we figure – Middlebury will be in that large, but they've lost three straight down the stretch, and, and they've lost bunches twice now in the season. Their inconsistency is certainly concerning, but we've seen inconsistency across the NESCAC. It's been a season of opposites, Howard. You know, Amherst, since midway through last season, didn't seem to be as powerful a team, but they go on this run at the end to, to lock up the number one seed. We expected maybe Williams to kind of back up their, their championship weekend appearance last year, and they've been all over the place, especially with injuries. Hamilton came out of nowhere to be on top of the conference for, for a good chunk of time. Uh, Middlebury, as we said, up and down consi- all over the place. Tufts, we thought maybe would rebound well from last year as well. They've been all over the place. It has been a very kind of up and down and topsy-turvy season in the NESCAC. It has been. I think the two teams that have been the most interesting to watch have been Hamilton and Williams. Mm -hmm. Hamilton, obviously, because this is the first time since, I believe, 2006 that they've won 20 games, and it's the first time ever they've gotten to a NESCAC semifinal since they have been in NESCAC for everything. Mm -hmm. For Williams, you know, I... The coach of the year comes down to either Adam Stockwell or Kevin App. Mm-hmm. Uh, you lose arguably your most talented player in December, Kyle Scadlock, mm-hmm. to an injury, to a season-ending injury. Then he come, then they come back and lose their point guard, Mike Greenman, to an injury. He hasn't played in about eight in eight or nine games now, no. and. For them to be where they are, to be the num- to be the number eight team in the country, to be the number four team in the region, to be the two seed in NESCAC, I think it's a real tribute to what what Kevin App and his staff have done, adjusting on the fly. Because that, as you know from watching basketball at all levels, is not an easy thing to do to really change how you wanted to run things. And you know, and James Heskett wasn't always starting. But he comes in and starts and is the leading scorer in the conference and may not be player of the year, but certainly can make an argument for it. Well, and they, we saw that a little bit last year. We saw Williams adjust about midway through the season last year, really last third of the year last year, and made that incredible run to the championship weekend in Salem unexpectedly. This is this seems to be almost a Kevin App and staff kind of bread and butter, that they are very adaptable and very able to get the best out of players at the most opportune times. They are, and the thing that they have been able to do with the injury and offensively losing Mike Greenman hurts, but defensively, because Mike Greenman's 5'8", Henry Feinberg, the sophomore, moves into the starting lineup at 6'6". So now now you've got, you know, Bobby Casey is the smallest guy on the floor at 6'2". Yeah. That's a pretty, and that's a pretty tough defensive group when you're trying to score against them, they went. I think it was five games this year where where a team did not score under, did not score over sixty points against them. And I attribute that to the bigger defense that they've been able to run. So now we got the semifinals in one of the games. It's going to be Wesleyan versus Amherst, and Wesleyan beat them both times earlier this season. And then you've got the the battle of the Hamilton um, Williams scenario here, and in those cases. Uh, Hamilton lost to Williams and somewhat handily back on December 10th, 81-67. I never expect anything anymore in the NESCAC to hold up to chalk, but if we were soothsayers, I would say Wesleyan's probably got the advantage on Amherst to some degree, but then Williams has the advantage on Hamilton. 
I think on chalk, on paper, you're absolutely right. I said to somebody last week, I said to a couple of the Williams players after, after the game with Trinity, I said, the thing that I look at is that this Amherst team, they're the number one seed, but they remind me a lot of where Williams was a year ago. Mm. Kind of round, you know, kind of with a lot of young guys and some, veter- and some real veteran leadership in, in, in Reappel and McCarthy. They are rounding into shape at the right time for mm-hmm. them. And as we all know, you know, Williams was on, last year was on nobody's radar screen mm-hmm. going, into, going into NESCAC. They were a sixth seed. Uh, go into Amherst and beat them pretty handily, then go and beat um, Tufts at Tufts in the semifinals and lose to Middlebury in the final. The next thing you know, two weeks later, they're on their way to Salem. If, if Amherst can get into the tournament, into the, into the field of 64, I could see them possibly making a similar run. Yeah, and clearly they've woken up to something um, and got you know got to this position to host in the first place, which is pretty spectacular. Of course, on the women's side, Amherst has been in control of the NASCAC for the most part from from the get go. Uh, the win over Tufts, uh, a win over Bowden, which means they control things. But talk about an absolute behemoth of three teams at the top of this. Howard in Amherst, Tufts, and Bowden. And Tufts even maybe not playing as well this season as everybody expected them to. No, and, you know, I could see easily, I could see Tufts getting hot at the right time and winning this tournament in Amherst. I got a chance to see Amherst play Bowdoin um, earlier, earlier in the season doing a feature for our newspaper on a freshman at Bowdoin who, had played, played, who was a high school star in our area. Um, it's, a, it's really interesting to watch these two teams play because while they are both defensive-oriented teams, they both do it differently. Amherst mm-hmm. is a big team, big team, physical, likes to push you out and, you know, and play you that way. Bowden likes to press you. They're smaller. They've, mm-hmm. got a little bit of, they've got a little bit of size, not as much as Amherst, but they want to run, run full court with you and, and turn you over and get easy baskets at the other end. Amherst is, you know, is the type of team that doesn't make those kind of mistakes a lot. So that makes it made it harder for the polar bears to come back and win that game. You know, it's Amherst tournament to lose because they're at home. But I could, you know, if they lose the semifinal, I wouldn't be stunned. If they lose in the final, I wouldn't be the least bit shocked. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Just the way that is that is set up on the women's side, um, to some degree. Uh, Bowden Tufts, of course, is the big semifinal. Uh, Wesleyan feels like they're the odd man out of this group. Um, but we could we could see some interesting results in period. One of the things we noticed in Vegas, Howard, uh, when we saw Amherst play, and they played trying another defensive juggernaut of a squad in a very low-scoring affair. Amherst actually held trying to just 12 points in the second half, though trying held Amherst to about 20 or something in the second half. is The difference between Amherst now and what we've been used to seeing from Amherst in the past, we're always used to the, to the Mammoths being a really tough defensive team but they usually have incredible firepower on the offensive side and will absolutely destroy a team on both sides of the court. They, they aren't as powerful offensively. They're in tighter games as a result of that. Yes, in control defensively, but Howard, I feel like as we go now into the really nitty-gritty part of this season in the postseason, you keep any team lingering and, and you're asking for trouble. You want um, it's keeping a team at arm's length, which is kind of what I've seen a lot 
down the stretch, you know, not just in, co- in Division Three college basketball, but in a lot of the high school basketball that I've been covering over the course of the last couple of weeks. What, what Amherst has been able to do successfully is to, even though they don't score a lot of points, keep games at three or four possessions. Right. Because uh, once, once you get down to that two-possession thing, then – you know, then you make a you make a desperation three. You make a crazy shot, and the next thing you know, it's a three point game. Somebody makes a mistake, and here right. you are tied. Um, but in a, in a game where it's three possessions, you you have a cushion. And Amherst is really good at not making those critical mistakes at critical times that will give a team. A, a real sense of life. I didn't see either of the games against Williams, but writing them up, I noticed that the games were relatively competitive mm-hmm. and relatively close. But when you look, when you break it down even further, it was always, but it was all, you know, Amherst always led between seven and 12 points. And while, you know, it looks good, on, it looks good on paper, you kind of knew that Williams wasn't didn't have the firepower to come back on that. I think of these teams, I think, I think Bowden is the only team that really has the firepower with the, three, with the way they like to shoot and run. But that's been Amherst's, you know, the, the way they want to play this year, the way they have, kind of have to play this year. Uh, but, you know, they keep teams, you know, holding them off and holding them off. And as long as they don't make that one mistake, yeah. they're, they've been fine. That's that's the risk, I think, as we get later into this, is that one mistake. Again, I mean, we saw it was WPI or somebody. It was a number of years ago. They went on like a 50-2 to two run um, without even sweating uh, and just put them away. Nowadays, we don't. you're never going to see that. And I just wonder if that's going to maybe come back to bite them. Granted, they won the national title last year doing the same darn thing. So it's not like they're unfamiliar with it. Um, fascinating uh, finish with, with the NESCAC women. It's gotten deeper at the top, though. The middle and bottom seems to have kind of fallen aside to some degree. Do you ever see this NESCAC getting as competitive as the men's get, uh, on the men's side as on this women's side ever again? Boy, you would like to hope so. Yeah. I don't know if the NESCAC women have ever been as competitive as the men are right now. True. Um, it's always been like three teams, maybe four at the top, and other than having Amherst in the mixed and Bowden, it's it's kind of alternated. There was there was a point when it was Amherst, Bowden, and Williams, and Tufts was on the outside looking in. Um, you know, I think I think Wesleyan has been really strong in the last couple of games, and you know played well down the stretch. And I'll give and I'll give anybody, especially in what turns out to be the third little three game. I'll give them a puncher's chance. You know they got to they got to play perfectly and hope Amherst makes a couple of mistakes. But I don't know if that's going to happen. Sure. But it would be it would be nice to see the you know the women's league be as competitive as the men's league. And when you with the men, you know, talk about is it because they're all good or is it because they've all taken a step back? A couple of years ago, I would have said they might have all taken a step back a little. But I look at the, I look at the way NESCAC was this year, and I think that it's because the league has got, it is so good. I think all of these teams are really, really good, and that's why, that's why there's been so much parity. Yeah, I do kind of a hybrid. I, I don't think – I think the, bot, the middle has gotten much better. 
in the in the NESCAC men for sure, but I don't think the NESCAC top is necessarily as great as it used to be, if that makes any sense. It does, and I think it, and I think the NESCAC top has been. I mean, you've got three, you know, teams in the top fifteen. Yeah. Right now. Well, and and I'm certainly. Yeah, I'm not saying they're not. They're not great. They're good, very good teams. They're very good teams. I just mean mm-hmm. the echelon of great. And we're talking some of these championship teams of Williams and Amherst. I don't think that's where they are. I think they're somewhere in between, if that makes any sense. It does, and I and I see that as I think more teams, not just in NESCAC, yeah. but all up and down the East Coast and elsewhere, have gotten much more aggressive in their recruiting, yeah. and they're all recruiting. After, they're all going after similar guys. I look at what. I look at what former Williams assistant Josh Leffler has done at yeah. Johns Hopkins, and they've been really good. There are a couple of guys for a couple of former assistants for Dave Hickson. Yep. Um, Kevin Hopkins has done doing really things nice at jobs at Muhlenberg yep. and the College of New Jersey. Yep. And I just think I, I do think that everything has gotten much more aggressive as far as the recruiting is concerned. So I think everybody's you know. Battling that maybe that's why you don't have a team like the Amherst team that won the national championship in Atlanta, or yeah. that Williams team uh, with Mike Crotty and Ben Coffin that Dave Paulson won a national championship with, yeah. and then went off and beat Division One Holy Cross the next year. Maybe you don't have those type of teams, but I think you know everybody. You know the recruiting battles have just gotten almost almost tougher. And more hard fought than the games on the court. Yeah, no, fair point, uh, and I think you're you're right there. Uh, by the way, that 2013 title, at least we know that one is uh, not going to get vacated uh, anytime soon. Uh, well, somebody's ha- somebody Someone, has to stay. I know Louisville's <laughs> from that year gone. Um, before I let you go, anything else in New England you're watching? You know, watching um, obviously Eastern Connecticut has been a, a really solid team. Yeah, but they are, you know. Are they? I wonder if they, you know, if they manage to get upset, are they an? Are they a pool C? I mm-hmm. gotta think so. Um, I wonder if um, Salem State, if it gets upset, as a pool C. Um, they should win the MASCAC. They will play. Um, they play Fitchburg in the semifinals and get the winner of Bridgewater State and MCLA the other semifinal. But a couple of up, you know. It's the kind of league where you know nobody's really blown anybody out all year. Yeah, and and I'd be curious to see if we have upsets in in that league, and if Eastern Connecticut loses, what happens? You know, um, Middlebury is strictly you know likely in, but they're on the bubble. And if you know, and and as the Williams players told me after their win over Trinity, what they don't want to do is leave their fate in someone else's hands. Sure. In that case, it's the committee. Um, you know, if a bunch if a bunch of number one seeds, you know, get upset in their Division three tournaments, maybe you know, maybe Middlebury slides off the bubble, and you yeah. just don't want that to happen. Yeah, fair point. Hey, sir, I appreciate the time as always. Uh, enjoyable to chat with you, especially getting an idea from the NESCAC from a non-coaching point of view. Uh, as always, give the guests the final word, final thought you want to share with those who may be tuning in. Looking forward to uh, a pretty exciting weekend of basketball. Um, even though, even though this year with the four games at Amherst, the women, by the way, play first because it's an even year. So yep. the women's semifinals go 
one and three in the men's goes five thirty and seven thirty messes up my deadline, but you can't have everything. <laughs> that is true, sir. Enjoy it. I hope to run into you somewhere down the road, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Dave. Good talking to you. Absolutely. Howard Herman joining us from the Berkshire Eagle. He has uh, been covering the NESCAC for two decades and certainly planning to cover this weekend as well. He joins us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. Thank you, Howard, for joining us on the show. Appreciate his time. Sorry for the delay getting to him. And, of course, crashing the computer. Not the, syst- the computer, but the system as we did it. Appreciate you tuning in through that challenge or from the podcast dealing with that little hiccup we had. We talked about Salem State. <clears throat> he was wondering if they had a pool C chance. They don't. I said it earlier. They are 10th in the regional rankings. I don't see any way that they somehow get ahead of teams like MIT, Keene State, Amherst, Springfield. Um, I, I just don't see it happening. I, I don't think they've got the data to, to be able to make that move. Um, looking at their numbers, Salem State had a 1-2 versus regionally ranked opponents, a 509 SOS. 509 is not horrible. It's not great. It's not really something they're going to look at. They might get to the table. The problem is they got to move up. I think they're going to get blocked. I don't see how they move up. Um, yes. Hamilton, Wesleyan, Williams, Middlebury, and Amherst are, are four of those five are most are most likely going to be there. Middlebury's already there. Um, I doubt Eastern Connecticut will be there. They're probably going to be gone. Uh, Springfield will probably be gone. Uh, so it leaves Keene State, MIT, and those four NESCACs. I don't think all of those NESCACs get ranked. I mean, if Amherst is, or get selected, if Amherst is sitting seventh right now, with a loss, they may slip behind Salem State, possibly. And in that case, then we can have a conversation. But I, I just don't see Salem State getting in at this time. Um, other results, by the way, hats off to uh, Emmanuel uh, Women's Basketball. Second program history win against, Eman- or sorry, Suffolk. Um, just the second time Suffolk has beaten Emmanuel in program history and the first time they beat Emmanuel at Emmanuel. That happened earlier today in the conference tournament. Suffolk winning 73-68. University of New England got past Western New England, 77-65. No surprise there. St. Joseph's uh, had a strong fourth quarter, got past Albertus Magnus, 78-65. That's a good win for St. Joseph, Maine, though they struggled a little bit in that game. Uh, Randolph-Macon got past Bridgewater, 76-59. That's a good result for them. Roger Williams had a battle with Endicott, but won 58-50, so they at least uh, stay in the conversation, um, which is certainly important for them. Uh, they, they, were, they were struggling in that game for a bit. Um, don't have any links for the Wartburg game, which started. I'm, I'm assuming that game's over. We'll check in on that. St. Thomas got banked by St. Mary's, 65-44. I don't think that's a, a huge surprise there necessarily. Whitewater's up on Eau Claire uh, late in the game. Um, 70 to 63. It looks like Whitewater will get past them there. Checking Warburg, see if we can check in on a live stat there. Uh, here we go. Warburg's got that one in hand. Wins 63 46. So Warburg with a non surprising win there. Um, let's see here. Whitman and Willamette are, uh, are underway. George Fox and Lewis and Clark will be playing soon. We mentioned Christopher Newport winning. They'll take on Marymount, who beat Mary Washington 50-31. to Mary Washington, who had an interesting offseason, didn't really get a chance to talk about that offseason this year. Um, not going to go into it now, but they finished 14-13 and 13 on the season. Certainly 
a big step back from back-to-back 24 and five seasons uh, there for the Eagles. I wonder if maybe some of that news in the offseason may have affected the program. Um, let's see here. Uh, Gustavus and Adolphus and St. Benedict in a good battle here. Gustavus Adolphus trying to position themselves for a better regional rankings opportunity. They lead by seven with 119 left to go in the game. We'll keep an eye on that. Well, that was the game. I was trying to watch the uh, or figure out Eau Claire. That, that was the game I was trying to keep an eye on. Apologize. Wisconsin Whitewater leads by three with 14 seconds left. We'll keep an eye on that game as well here as we wrap up the show. Maybe see if we can pull up video of that game and see if we can bring it to you here possibly. Get that in the spot. I'm trying to figure out who's got possession. It looks like Whitewater is on the line leading by three uh, with uh, 12 seconds on the clock. We'll keep an eye on that one. Uh, Ohio Northern won over Audubon. We mentioned that earlier, 80-72. to 72. Uh, Oshkosh got past Lacrosse, 56-48. And Virginia Wesleyan and Lynchburg are midway through the fourth. Virginia Wesleyan leading Lynchburg. That would be an upset uh, in the ODAC tournament. Lynchburg, the... The second seed, I think they're the second seed in that. Emory and Henry, the top seed, won. So that's in women's basketball. On men's basketball, Whitman and Whitworth won't play until later this evening. By the way, Whitewater women now lead by four with 12 seconds left. Eau Claire's going to have to hit a basket. If they hit a basket, we'll tune into that one and see what happens. Uh, Whitewater just got a steal, actually. This game may be iced for Eau Claire. Um, York got past Salisbury in men's basketball action. That's a good win for York. Unfortunately, they're going to have to go to Christopher Newport on Saturday to avenge the loss last Saturday. We mentioned Pittsburgh State passed Salem State 90-81 uh, to in overtime, probably ending Salem. I'm, I'm pretty sure, pretty confident that's going to end Salem State's hopes of a uh, NCAA tournament berth. We mentioned Nichols came storming back on Roger Williams, outscoring him 50-28 to in the second half. That's a good because Nichols wasn't going to get in if they don't win the automatic bid either. Ohio Northern's up on Marietta. 2.05 left to go in that game. Uh, the score... 89-80 with 41 seconds left. Marietta about to get knocked off by Ohio Northern in men's basketball. There's one of those OAC upsets we were looking for. We'll keep an eye on that one as Marietta's made it 89-83 with 36 seconds left. Um, Yeshiva got a win over uh, Farmingdale State, 77-75 in double overtime. Yeshiva um, has beaten Farmingdale State now twice in a row. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. They've won 11 of their last 12. They actually lost to Farmingdale State in double overtime. I apologize. Back on the 13th. They had beaten... Who'd they beat? Uh, Mount St. Vincent is who they had beaten back at the beginning of February. So uh, the Farmingdale State game, they lost their senior, I believe, to a broken wrist. But Yeshiva on a roll here. They will now play uh, for this championship against Purchase. By the way, update Whitewater women did win that game. So Yeshiva, keep an eye on Yeshiva. Um, the Maccabees could also make the, if they make the NCAA tournament with a win over purchase, they could make the NCAA tournament rather fascinating because uh, they can't play on a Friday night. That game would have to be played on Friday afternoon. Scoring update from Marietta. Ohio Northern now leads 91-86, 23 seconds left. We'll see if we can pull up that video of that game to see if that one's coming down to the end as well and see well it is coming down to the end but see what we can show you of that one 89 83 second half we'll keep an eye on that and go to it uh if necessary sorry you gotta 
do a quick setting change here. There we go. And it should have it. So we'll have that in case we need to go to it. Uh, Ohio Northern going to the line here to shoot, leading by six and now seven, 31.2 seconds left. We'll go to that in a moment. Um, so Purchase beat Mount St. Vincent, who had been at the top of that conference. So Mount St. Vincent's season comes to an end. Yeshiva beat Farmingdale, uh, Framingham State. No, Farmingdale State. I, I apologize. They beat Farmingdale State. Duh. So it'll be Purchase versus Yeshiva for the Skyline title. That, that one's certainly an interesting development. Um, let's see. Albertus Magnus defeated LaSalle 97-86. Uh, by the way, Mar Marietta hit a quick basket. It's now down to a five-point game. We'll keep an eye on that one. 20 and a half seconds left in Ohio Northern going back to the line. So then Vermont beat Leslie. Keep their hopes alive. John Carroll beat Baldwin-Wallace 93-72. I don't have the score in there now, but I believe Christopher Newport won. We're going to double-check that. Bear with me here. They were playing Mary Washington as well tonight. I do not have a score there. Oh, there it is. 86-72, that game coming down to the end. 127 left. It looks like Christopher Newport is going to win that game. Um... Central and Loris playing tonight. Nebraska Wesleyan got past Wartburg. So Wartburg's season comes to an end. Remember last year, Wartburg went on that magical run in the IAC tournament, then went to the NCAA tournament, made a magical run there. Um, started the season in the top 25, ranked pretty well, et cetera, et cetera. Really looked like they were doing well. And then the, the wheels came off the bus after Vegas. Um, Nebraska Wesleyan gets past them easily, 94-77. Wartburg finishes the season 17-10. and they had a four-game losing streak in January. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Lost eight games, well, nine games if you count Augsburg, of 16. So they were 9-7 and seven in the second half of the season. So Warburg's season came unglued, unfortunately. Central uh, leads Loris 105-98 with 43 seconds left in their conference tournament. So a lot of interesting results here tonight in both the women's and men's side of things. By the way, Gustavus Adolphus defeated St. Benedict 61-53. That's a good win for the Gusties uh, in women's basketball. We were watching Virginia Wesleyan and Lynchburg. Virginia Wesleyan leads Lynchburg 50-44 to with 4.06 left to go in that game. Uh, the Marlins are 13-13 on the season in women's basketball. Lynchburg 20-5 and, and regionally ranked pretty well. By the way, Marietta has cut it to a four-point deficit here in the second half. Continue to keep an eye on that one. Now, we're going to tune out of Christopher Newport men as they are got a 13-point lead with 31 seconds left. That one's going to pretty much come to an end. I'm getting a message. I want to double-check here. Ohio Northern up four, gave up basketball, inbounded ball fine, then just got trapped in the corner and forced to call a timeout. 7.4 seconds left. So... I'm not sure if we're getting audio from that. Hold on. Let me see if I can get audio. Um, I think that'll do it. Yeah, there's a little bit of audio in there possibly, but let's tune into that one. Yeah, I can't really hear anything. We may have accidentally muted the audio, and that's, that's on us. But we'll keep an eye on it. So Ohio Northern is inbounding the ball in the corner, and they're going to have to call a second timeout. Uh, we'll get back to that. Marietta trying to keep uh, in the conversation here. Uh, pool C-wise, oh, 
Ohio Northern is sitting fifth. Marietta sitting fourth. I think Marietta's okay. Ohio Northern needs this more than Marietta does. If Ohio Northern lost, I think it'd be it's going to start getting really complicated for them getting into the tournament. Baldwin Wallace is sixth. They've already lost. Ohio Wesleyan's behind them. That's kind of in the danger zone in the Great Lakes. Um, I think Ohio Northern needs to win this, and Marietta's okay. I think Marietta may still get into the tournament. Uh, they certainly won't be hosting. They'll go on the road. But I think Marietta's going to be okay. We're going to come back to this after the timeout. Wittenberg and Worcester are in. I think John Carroll's safe as well. Marietta's got a similar resume to John Carroll. That's kind of why I think Marietta may be okay with this loss. Um, but as we gain losses throughout the country, we run into more and more problems. And that's kind of where I'm, I'm thinking we got to be careful with that thinking. Um, I don't want to make any assumptions that somehow they're going to be okay when in reality they might not be. Uh, trying to see if we got any other questions. Um, thank you for the update. Uh, Sol Ross leads Texas Tyler 7468 with 310 left to go. Yes, Howard does know his stuff. The health of Malaya Smith was has me for Saturday's Oshkosh Whitewater game. Um, yeah, I don't know what's going on, Drew. You're gonna have to update me on what her health may be. I don't. I'm, I haven't been following what might be what your conversation there may be. Let's quickly get back into this one. Ohio Northern inbounding it all the way down court and catching it successfully. Six seconds left. Ohio Northern. Looks like there may have been a foul called. So Ohio Northern's going to go to the line here to shoot. We'll keep it here as we uh, see if they can ice this game. Granted, two shots will still only keep this a two-possession ball game. It won't necessarily change much on the plate. Uh, Lynchburg women trying to battle back, still trailing by six with 152 left to go in their game. In the meantime, Central leads Loris 108-101 in men's 108-104 now with 19 seconds left. Don't have video of that off very quickly, so we'll get back to you on that when we get it. And in the meantime, let's see how this one finishes as both free throws are good, and that is going to do it. The win goes to Ohio Northern getting past Marietta 94-88. Again, I think Marietta may end up being okay in this. That may secure Ohio Northern getting uh, a, an at-large bid should they lose in the conference tournament to John Carroll in the championship game. I think Marietta will get in anyway, so it looks like the OAC could get three teams in at least. I don't think Baldwin-Wallace will be able to crack into that. I think it's going to also depend on Ohio Wesleyan. Um, if memory serves, Ohio Wesleyan is oh, – let me double-check where they are. I apologize. Uh, I have a lot in my head. Can't keep it all. Ohio Wesleyan will play Worcester tomorrow. Those games at Wittenberg. The winner takes on the winner of Wittenberg and Denison. So if Ohio Wesleyan wins, I think it put Baldwin Wallace in a world of hurt because I think Ohio Wesleyan would then jump ahead. If Ohio Wesleyan loses, Baldwin-Wallace probably stays where they are and just hopes not too many teams are sitting in front of them, nor better teams sitting at the table with them. That gets pretty crazy. Uh, Alex, no way NCAA keeps Gusties out now that their big win tonight. Uh, gets three teams in and for the MIAC. Alex, listen. I don't know if you're listening to the show. I'll try and tweet you back later. 
you have a little bit more confidence in the Gusty's numbers than anybody else does. Um, Gustavus needed that, I will admit. But you've got to get realistic with the Gustavus numbers. They're seventh in the region, okay? They are behind Wartburg, St. Thomas, St. Benedict, George Fox, Whitman, and Claremont Mud Scripps. Wartburg, let's take them off the table. St. Thomas, take them off the table. St. Benedict is now there. George Fox or Whitman, one of them is going to be there. That's now two teams ahead of you. Let's just say, for argument's sake, that Claremont Mud Scripps stays ahead of you. So now three teams are ahead of the Gusties in this conversation. Gustavus Adolphus's numbers. A 539 SOS, and they're now 3-5 and five versus regionally ranked opponents. Not bad, but that's a tough region. Maybe the Gusties get in. Let's depends on how many upsets there are in the pool C scenario. I think the Gusties are on a bubble. The win over St. Benedict, outstanding. They needed to do that. I'd rather see them beat St. Thomas for the title. Just get in on the automatic bid. St. Thomas and St. Benedict will get in as at-larges. The West region has not necessarily been historically a very deep region in selections. Don't bet on the Gusties. I get that they beat St. Benedict. That's what they needed to do. They now are three and five versus regionally ranked opponents at the very least. That number might be slightly adjusted because some teams may have come off of the off the of the uh, conversation. I gotta go double check that. 539 SOS, not bad. There's better SOS numbers out there. We'll see. Yes, I think they had to win tonight to do it. If they lost tonight, I don't think they get in. But there's a lot of teams that are gonna be ahead of them. So pace yourself, Alex. Pace yourself. Um, it's not as slam dunk as, as many think it is. In the meantime, 13 seconds left. Central leads Loris 110-107. Uh, 44 seconds left. Looks like Virginia Wesleyan's going to upset Lynchburg at the ODAC tournament. Whew. Uh, let's see if we can tune into that one, shall we? Um, quickly calling that one up. Uh, the ODAC always has a, a solid broadcast, and we'll go to it. Um, 10 seconds with 44 or 10 point lead with 44 seconds left. They're in a timeout, so we'll wait on that. Um, oh, hold on. Somehow I, there we go. I want to check to see if we got any other questions on our Twitter or YouTube pages. Uh, Jay Cozen says, it's not hope, but Marietta has a nice D3 gym. No, I mean, let's start with the fact that you're comparing it to hope. Um, Hope, Calvin, Trine are some of the best gyms in Division Three. Marietta's got a very nice small town, small college gym. It's a great place to see a game. I've always enjoyed it there. Um, the two visits I have made. Granted, one of the visits, the place was empty. <laughs> Absolutely empty. The last year's tournament was a, was a bunch of fun. I uh, don't see any other questions coming in by email. We're going to stick through the end of this one game. Um... Um, let's see. Let's see if there's any other questions out there. I don't think there are. Double check on the scores, then we'll get going. Central, by the way. Uh, ooh, Loris has come back. It's a one-point game. Jeez, I wish I could find some darn video of this game. Um, I'll see if I can get that one called up as well. This is kind of how the whip-around show works, folks. It's not beautiful, but this is kind of how it works. 
Um, Lynchburg is just struggling. Trailing by 10 with 33 seconds left. We'll tune into that one just to see uh, Virginia Wesleyan about to, to cause an upset there. As they inbound the ball, Lynchburg not looking to foul, it appears. Trying to get a steal. Now they'll foul. Actually, the ball went out of bounds. Uh, in the meantime, let's see if we can call up this Loris game. Um, as that one's coming down to the end. In the meantime, oh, we're going to have to do this kind of piecemeal, folks. I'm going to have to get out of this game, which I think we can probably get out of safely. Because I don't, yeah, this game is... Uh, well in hand is Lynchburg's going to get upset in the ODAC tournament. In the meantime, let's call up the Loris game where it is 111-108 Central the lead. We'll tune in there in the semifinals and you got it. of the IAC. I think you can hear it. Loris needs two possessions if they need it quick. Matt, does he say help? Watch Push Josh Rose get the shot right here. Galma not happy. Could have gotten teed up right there, but rest didn't see it. Coach Galma lets the temper flare up. Getting a little bit of an echo there. Sorry about that. Smacks the scorer's table, and the entire crowd's looking for a technical call. Imagine to say how this is the first free throw. It was just on my end. Second one, no good for Dacey Sahel. And a foul right away. We'll come back to that in just a moment as uh, Central and Loris. It's a Central lead, 112-108 here on Loris. We'll keep an eye on that as Central is shooting free throws here. Uh, gives us one last chance to check with you. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook facebook.com slash hoopsville um ira says i'm enjoying the whip around experiment <laughs> sir you're the one who might keep me from being in the whip around just take that as a hint <laughs> may not be able to do the whip around this year if if certain things plan or work their way out uh let's go back to this loris game no good that is the ball game, That's going to do it. There is your finale, folks. Time as Central expire. defeats Loris. Big upset in the IAC. Deficit and as Loris gets knocked off. That's going to end Loris's hopes of making it to the NCAA tournament, I believe, as well. Double-check those rankings. I'm pretty confident in that. West Region, Loris was sitting seventh. Yeah, there's no way Loris was getting into the tournament. So Loris is gone. So is Wartburg. So some some pool opportunities are gone um, from Division III uh, tonight. The good news about that is some teams aren't in there that are going to swallow up at-large bids yet. We have some that have been – that have been put on the bubble or, or at least put into the conversation number two new jersey city in the atlantic region is already sitting on that bubble number four gwyneth mercy and number five tcnj uh, though it's not going to get much further in the atlantic region but those teams are already now into the at-large conversation um uh, the wyack tournament I, I think 
I can't remember who's in that right now and who's not. Uh, East region, yeah, we haven't gotten there yet. Great Lakes, well, Marietta's now into that conversation. Um, Baldwin Wallace already is an at-large, com- you know, at the, you know, in the pool, in the bubble now. In the Mid-Atlantic, we haven't had any games that have, will determine things uh, just as of yet. Uh, number eight, Lebanon Valley uh, lost to Stevenson on Monday, so they're not even going to make the tournament. They were the eighth-ranked team. In the Northeast, we mentioned already the the big one there is that Salem State lost, but they're not going to really disrupt things, I don't think, in Pool C. In the South region, Sol Ross State looks like they're going to get the win. I should probably check that. Um, let's just double check. I'm calling up their live stats here real quick. Uh, yeah, they win 86-75, so they stay in the conversation there. Um, Letourneau won today. Um, Emory and Henry won today. So uh, Randolph-Macon won today. So no disruption. So not a lot of disruptions as of yet in the Pool C conversation um, on this Thursday night. So Ross did beat. Thank you, Jay. Got that now. Um, so there you go. Uh, all right. So there you go. Yes, Ira, you're right. A lot has to happen, uh, like us not showing up in the conference tournament and blowing the number one seed in the Atlantic. We choked. Well, you probably did. All right, so that's going to wrap up our show tonight. We're going to be back on the air Sunday. I need you basically to bear with us on Twitter to find out when will we be on the air specifically. Um, We're working on our timing. It could be as early as 5 o'clock Eastern, uh, but usually our start time is 6 o'clock Eastern. Um, We will talk to some coaches and programs that are in the tournament. We'll also talk to uh, uh, Kerry Harvey-Cutter from Salem, but also – we will get our crew on board and make our selections for the men's and women's tournaments. Uh, last year we did men's first and women's second. We may flop that. We may keep it the same. It's still part of the conversation to be had. But stick with us on Twitter, at D3Hoopsel and hashtag Hoopsel, and stick with us on Facebook, especially facebook.com slash Hoopsel. We'll try and update on Instagram as well. But those first two, Twitter and Facebook, will be the two primary places to find out where we're um, what our plans are for Sunday, along with d3hoops.com as well. Um, if you have questions in the meantime, you can always tweet us and email us and all that stuff as you normally can. We answer questions throughout the, the offseason as well. By the way, officially Virginia Wesleyan over Lynchburg, 61-51 in that one. That's going to do it for us. Thanks for tuning in. I want to thank our guests from Lehman. It was Steve Schulman from uh, Mass Dartmouth. It was Matt Descharm from Piedmont, uh, Julie Purdy. Uh, also from Augustana, Gray Giovanni from Ohio Northern, Michelle Durand and F- Howard Herman from the Berkshire e- Eagle. I want to thank all the sports information directors for those programs, along with the Women's Basketball Coaches Association for their assistance as well. Thank you for tuning in. We appreciate your patronage. Uh, tell your fa- uh, friends and everybody else to tune into the show as well as we will be busy on Sunday. And don't forget, we'll have a bracket breakdown show coming up on Monday. Women's shows at about 2.30. We'll probably hit air... 315, 330-ish with our show, depending on how well we can get some things organized. Speaking of production assistants, you know how hard it is to email people to get them on the show when, A, I'm not allowed to email them before it's been released, even though I know the information. They don't. Um, And to coordinate all that before we go on the air, it's not easy. So I hope you'll be able to take advantage of that uh, and join us on Monday's show. It's it's a long day, but we'll at least get uh, both committee members usually on the show to talk about things and whatnot. Uh, yes, Wags texts me, Yeshiva. Yeah, Yeshiva. 
winning tonight. Uh, uh, pretty impressive for Yeshiva. We'll see. Uh, if they win, we will get them on the show. I can promise you that. All right, that's going to do it. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Again, Sunday, stick with us, 5 or 6 o'clock Eastern time start. We'll go long because we do both committee or both uh, selection processes. Uh, and then on Monday, the bracket shows. Again, I think it's 1230 for the men. I know it's 230 for the women. And then we'll have a bracket special after that. Uh, you've been watching Hoops Hole, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. I want to thank our partners at D3Hoops.com, the Women's Basketball Coaches Association, National Association of Basketball Coaches, and the City of Salem, of course, for their support of Hoopsville. Also, thank you to you for tuning in and watching. We appreciate your support just as much as everybody else's. Don't forget, this broadcast is copyrighted by Hoopsville and DMAC Productions, along with myself. You need permission from us to re-air this with, uh, if you want to in any spectacular way thanks for tuning in everybody appreciate your time we'll see you back here on sunday you've been listening to hoopsville good night and enjoy the final weekend of the regular season get out to some games all right and at least watch them online good night everybody <laughs>